You're listening to the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, recorded January 8th, 2020. Episode 73, Hindsight in 2020. Looking back at what we did and didn't achieve, as well as talking about challenges. Then we squeeze in a review for Chocolatiers, and can you believe we talk about Splendor? Hello, and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, episode 73, Hindsight in 2020. Yearly Tabletop Gaming Challenges. From Hamilton, I'm Sean, live from Windsor, the Tabletop Bellhop himself, Mo T. I am the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. Let me put my years of game playing, event organizing, and game night hosting to use for you. I'd like to welcome everyone in the lobby here on Twitch. We start live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash tabletopbellhop. A happy new year to all our fans and listeners. Today, we are going to be looking back at some gaming resolutions from last year based on a question I got about tabletop gaming challenges. Uh, we've also got a review of Chocolatiers and a mix of games in our weekend review that aren't my usual gameplays. We love interacting with our listeners and viewers. Each week, we're going to highlight some of our interactions with you fine folk. We'll share some feedback we've received, comments on our content, and maybe some gaming discussions we've been part of. We want to share what people are saying, both positive and negative. We get better with your comments and suggestions. If you'd like to let us know something about the show, send your feedback to mo at tabletopbellhop.com and or sean at tabletopbellhop.com. That's S-E-A-N. You can also hit us up on social media, where I can be found everywhere as tabletopbellhop, one word. And I can be found everywhere as Dark Elf LX. Uh, we received a lot of great feedback over the holidays. We had a couple weeks off here, so we've got comments on a wide variety of content. And here are some highlights. First up, a comment from Chris Groff on our Accessories to Gaming article, where I talk about, or where Mo talks about some must-have gaming accessories. Chris writes, good article, Mo. I use the silicone cups and they serve their purpose. They're cheap and compact and don't take up much room on the table. The downside is they're small and can sometimes be fiddly. Yeah, I've got a, one of the local gamers, thanks Chris, um, Chad, uses these. And I like them most of the time. What I really dig about them is they're so cheap and they fold flat. So one of the things Chad does is he just buys a new set for every game. So, and he color codes them, right? For whatever game it is. If the color pieces in the game are green, red, yellow, and blue, he buys green, red, yellow, and blue ones. So you always know which one's yours. But I do admit they, they are a little annoying to sometimes snap together, depending on how well they're made. And they do sometimes spill and come apart. And I got to admit, I love my wooden bowls. I'm always prefer my wooden bowls to it. But the do the silicon cups are a, a nice alternative. Uh, whether that's the snap together ones or the ones that are just like uh, muffin tins. I've seen both. Well, Gene Chu had a comment on the same article. I used a Lazy Susan for a little while when playing deck builders. Generally, people sit around the table, so one person has to read the cards upside down. I used a Lazy Susan so you could rotate the cards so they face you when it was your turn. Well, thanks for the comment, Gene. Uh, a good Lazy Susan is something I could definitely use. Now, I do have one. I picked one up when Geektropolis Cafe opened up. Now, Big J opened that place up. He bought out a Chinese restaurant called Harvey Lowe's Yummy House, which I still love the name of Harvey Lowe's. Never did eat at Harvey Lowe's. I don't know if the food was good, but I love the name. Sounds like something out of Big Trouble in Little China. Anyway, Big Jay had a ton of Lazy Susans because he had bought this Chinese restaurant basically when it closed. But what I didn't know until I got home was just how damn big the thing is. Like this thing's, 
I don't know, it's got to be four or five feet across at least. It's definitely not portable. Like, I can't bring it out to a game night. And even on my table at home, it's just too large to actually be useful. Like, at this point, you almost have to, like, spin the cards around to everyone. What I need is one about half the size. But I think it's an awesome suggestion. It is one that definitely belongs on our list of great gaming components. Now, up next, Mark Whitley has some tips about teaching games. They write, Whenever I'm explaining a new board game to someone, I explain them thusly. First, the premise or theme, then win conditions, then the broad game mechanics, then the actions they can take on their turn. Oh, thanks, Mark. Uh, that went, that was about the article on focusing as a teacher, which I don't know if Mark didn't read the article because really what we were looking for there were tips on how to focus. But you know what? That's a great way to start. I admit I am terrible at remembering to explain the premise and theme. I've actually had people complain about that in my reviews too, where all I do is talk about the mechanics of the game and I never explain, oh, in this game, you're farmers trying to raise fields and grow crops to do this thing. I always just sit there and go, oh, you're going to grab tiles and put them next to your tiles and get points. So that's something I tend to fail on. But one of the other ones that is important that a lot of people miss is win conditions. One of the first things you should explain is how to win the game. That's what most people playing are going to care about. And keep reminding people. So every time you get to something that affects your win condition, like this is how you get points. That's always found something I find worth reiterating while you're teaching. But yeah, starting with the theme is something that, like I said, that's something I need to practice. I have to remember more. I tend to just like everyone's seen the box. You know what the game's about, right? Now, uh, patron Yuho Rutila has a kids game recommendation left as a comment on our best kids game and how to get kids to play them article. They write, one game you should give a go is My Little Scythe. It's simple enough to learn, but gives even the adults some tactical options. It has direct uh, attacks against another player and stealing resources, so it teaches to handle that, uh, handle with that aspect of games also. I play it with my 11, 8, and 6-year-olds. Well, thank you, Yuho. Uh, I gotta admit, I haven't checked that one out. I haven't tried my little side because I'm one of the few people on the planet that seems like they didn't enjoy side. So the thought of picking up the kids version never even entered my mind. Though I got to admit, everything I've seen about it, like they're very different games. Like basically it was published by the same publisher and there's some area control, but they're not really tied together. Uh, still... Just because I didn't like Scythe much, I, I'm not going to rush out and pick this one up. But I do wonder if anyone in Windsor's got a copy, because I wouldn't mind giving it a try, but it's definitely something I want to try before I rush out and buy it. All right, well, Martin Vos let this, left this comment on our article about three-player games when one of the three players is a toddler. I can certainly recommend My First Orchard and Tier of Tier, Animal Upon Animal, though my second toddler seems to want to lose both games, rooting for the crow and making his animals very unbalanced. Uh, Frierdach uh, is another hobby game, and pardon my German pronunciation, yeah. uh, that was very popular with my oldest, though I haven't introduced it to my youngest yet. My youngest is definitely less of a hardcore gamer than my oldest, who is now 10 and graduated to Terraforming Mars and Steam Over Holland, an 18xx game. I wonder when I can introduce him to ASL. Well, thanks, Martin. Uh, good luck with the 10-year-old. That's awesome, having a 10-year-old that's into the heavier games. I, I haven't even tried with my oldest. I, at this point, she's older than 10, and we're, we're at the like Splendor level. We could probably do some Lords of Waterdeep. She's played um, Valyria Card Kingdoms. But, like Even I haven't played my first 18xx game, to be honest. <laughs> uh, we tried, Deanna and I tried 1840, but we just played like the first half of it without eight stocks, and that was enough of a brain burner for me. I was just like, oh, I'm done. But yeah, great job introducing your kids to games. I have 
have heard very good things about my first orchard. Uh, Animal Upon Animal, I think, was on my list. If it wasn't, it belongs on this. No, it was. a fantastic game. Um, Federock or Frederuch or however that Federocki. I don't know how that one's pronounced. I got to admit, I've never heard of. So that one, but anything by Haba. Like anyone who recommends a Haba game, you're probably right, right? Nowadays, I would recommend... um, for very young kids, especially a toddler, is um, Dragon the Dragon one from Haba, where you're burning ice. I can't remember. That's that. actually, I believe, which one it is. It's uh, the translation is Fire Dragon Valley. Oh, is that okay? Mighty so Volcano with yeah, ice and ice and volcano. Uh, this is just ice. Dragons. It's a pile of gems and ice, and the mother dragon melts the ice. I can't okay. remember the name of it. This I one's got a, this one's got a volcano in the middle of it. Okay, so uh, this is something a little different. Dragons and gems and a volcano in the middle of it. Sounds similar. Uh, but, yeah, uh, all, all good game recommendations. Yeah, 2013 Fire Dragon Valley. Uh, yeah, that's bubbling. one I don't know. But yeah, there's a lot of good hobby games. Like Monza is the one my kids liked. Right. Gary Gouda was another one. Um, those were both hobby games. I, I know there's other ones out there. But yeah, uh, Terraforming Mars, that's a good one. But 18xx with a 10-year-old. <laughs> hey, I, I figure if you can teach an 18xx, you can probably teach him advanced squad leader. There Next you thing you know, you'll be playing some Starfleet battles and figuring out which impulse your proton torpedoes move. All right. Well, on to some comments about our two-player games for date night content. Keith R. Lau writes, Sometimes I'll take my wife or girlfriend out to a beautiful dinner. Maybe we'll watch a play, but nothing makes them quiver more than when I pull out Race for the Galaxy. <laughs> okay, joking aside, Hannah Mikoji is usually a hit, and Hive is fun too. I bought the two-player Seven Wonders, but haven't tried it yet. My wife enjoys Seven Wonders. Another one was Arboretum. And my wife really enjoys Roll for the Galaxy. Well, thanks, Keith. I'm pretty sure Race for the Galaxy does make my wife quiver, so it works for me. Uh, I gotta say, uh, my wife and I did uh, dig Seven Wonders Duel, actually uh, way more than Seven Wonders. I, I personally think it's a way better game overall, not just a way better two-player experience. Seven Wonders Duel is a fantastic drafting game. It's done really well, so I do recommend trying to get that to the table sooner rather than later. I, I don't see how you could be disappointed. Hamanakoji looks cool, though. That's not one I've tried before. Well, John James had a comment on the date, uh, same date night topic. Good choices. My wife and I also love Exit the Game. Fair enough. Yeah, we had fun with Exit. We, we tried the one. We've got some more to try. Uh, and to be honest, for date night, it's a good one, right? Because you're working together. I think it's a great recommendation. Uh, when I wrote that article, I hadn't played an Exit game yet. All right. And while speaking of Exit the Game, Ron Bala had a comment on your Exit the Secret Lab review. Ron writes, very nice review. Seems very intriguing with his theme and the mechanics. And thanks for, elab- or ab- lab- thanks for elaborating on the lack of replayability. It's pretty cheap, so I think still worth buying. Yeah, thanks, Ron. I, I agree completely, actually. At the price point of under 20 Canadian or under 15 US, uh, potentially much cheaper if you shop around. Um, right now, you can find them. Follow Tabletop underscore deals on Twitter. I share exit deals pretty regularly. You can usually find them for under 10 US. Uh, I don't mind that they're one and done, that they're one-time plays. I, I think it's a perfectly valid way to spend that amount of money. Come on, I went and saw a Star Wars um Rise of Skywalker today with four of us, and it cost way more than any exit game. All right. Well, next up, a comment from Emmett O'Brien about after-dinner games for up to six players. Scoville and Cable Car sound interesting. Mutant Meeples sounds good to me. I wonder if my group would dig it. Tax returns are coming up. I'll have to keep these in mind. Oh, thanks, Emmett. Uh, Emmett's awesome. I Emmett comments on my stuff all the time. I like seeing stuff. I actually met him at QCC last year with his son. Um, 
Mutant Meeples is, is such a hard one to recommend. I, I totally forgot I put it in that list at the time. Uh, it has been so rough because I have played, that like, the closest I've ever gotten to a table flip in my own house was with Mutant Meeple. From one of my friends who's a devout Catholic, one of the most peaceful people I know. And that game just set him off. He just hated it that much. And out of all the people I game with in Windsor, and I haven't shown that game to all of them, obviously. There's probably three of us that love that game. And a whole ton of us are like, eh. And then, like, five of us that absolutely hate it. It is pure logic puzzle. It's counting squares. It's it's the push the rock puzzle or roll the ball puzzle where you push something, it goes a straight line till it hits something, and then you push it another way. And you look at all the meeple on the board and you say as quick as possible how soon you can get the puzzle solved, right? I can do it in three turns or I can do it in five. I can do it in seven. And then once everyone's got their bids in, the person who can do it at three proves it. And if they're right, they get the points. That's basically the the really simple version of Meeple. And if you don't like that kind of logic puzzle, you're going to hate this game. If you don't like real time games, you're going to hate this game. If you don't like the stress of trying to be faster and smarter than your friends, you're going to hate this game. And a lot of people hate this game. So it, to me, that's, that's one of the most try before you buy games I can recommend. Like I almost, hate even recommending it on a blog post because i've had so many people dislike that game well finally a thank you from charles barouche whose question we answered on our last episode where we talked about games you could get for under 50 dollars. charles writes thank you for answering my question so completely hey you're welcome charles uh thanks so much for a great question actually it worked out really well now i did talk to charles because i'm like so what'd you buy what'd you buy and he's like oh i bought coimbra which i gotta admit wasn't on our list but I had recommended it in Facebook before writing the full blog post. And he saw that I had a good price on it. Um, it was on sale for under 50 bucks for the holidays. And it's actually one that I've got. It's in my pile behind me of stuff I got for Christmas. So I'm looking forward to checking that one out myself. And Charles seems really happy with it. So we're good there. All right. Well, that's it for this week's comments. Thank you to everyone who shares, comments, and interacts with our content. We start Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern here on Twitch and love people who stick around and drop in and take part in our chat room, The Lobby. If you're here live, remember to stick around as we continue the show after the double bell. Uh, so far, we've had a little discussion. Uh, people wondering if that uh, one commenter actually did say when I take my wife or girlfriend out to the movies. Uh, I and think yes, it was just Yes, white. he did, but he was just being funny. Uh, Red Meeple Ryan's commenting that Seven Wonders Duel really is fantastic. Yep. Uh, and wondering... Because you were ta- when you were talking about teaching, does theme actually matter to you? No, that, not <laughs> a lot. That's that's part of the problem, right? And I know it does for some people. For some people, they need to know the story. They need to know why they're moving the people. I like theme. Like, like yeah, heck, I just let Sean and I talk about Lords of Waterdeep, and you'll see that I actually prefer some theme in my game, and Sean thinks that game's completely themeless and the theme doesn't matter. I personally dig the fact that now and then my quests are amusing and I do things like domesticate owl bears. But overall, for me to enjoy a game, the theme could be anything. It's it's mainly the mechanics. There's, there's going to be very few themes that are going to pull me in just as a theme on its own. So that is often why I forget to explain the theme. Like even Carpe Diem, right? I'm really big on that right right now, tile laying. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's like it's set in Rome. But is there anything about that game that's really Roman? No, you're just matching up different colors of buildings and different fields. There's absolutely nothing about that game that's Roman, except maybe the Banderoles, and we don't even know how to pronounce that word. So <laughs> if that's tied in, I don't know how. Yeah, and Major Kayla says, themes, uh, RPGs, yes, board games, no. Yeah. So. Oh, RPGs, definitely. I can't yeah. keep playing a themeless RPG. That just doesn't even... Yep. You're a person uh, doing a thing. Okay, I try to <laughs> do the thing. Roll a die. I don't know. I, I, I fight a thing. 
I yeah, win. I, I fight a thing. Why am I fighting a I thing? I get better. There we go. We'll, we'll make trope the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably already been done. Oh, probably. But, you know. Uh, oh, there was so a time. Many, there's I so many meta, uh, meta games of games yeah. out there. It's already. Well, that's how I was going through my RPG collection the other day. I haven't finished, but I'm, I'm going through my download folder finally and like putting things, storing them in the proper place and going on RPG Geek and logging that I, that I own them and stuff, right? And I got to um, Powered by the Apocalypse World, which is a role playing game about Both. playing role playing right. games in powered by, that are powered by the Apocalypse. Right. But it's Powered by the Apocalypse World. And I'm like, yeah, it's a full game with moves, which are like create a move is one of the moves and right. create a playbook is one of the moves. And it, it's it's a it's a game to play making a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Right. So, yeah, they're definitely out there. All right. That well, one wasn't on are... RPG Geek, so I couldn't love that as a, as a as I owned it. Well, most of the rest of our chat earlier on, we were doing a lot of uh, movie talk and sci-fi yep. uh, series. So what else? Do, what are people going to start talking about once we get into the show? Uh, so we're talking about gaming resolutions, uh, New Year's resolutions, basically, right? It's New Year. It's that time of year. It's January. People come up with all their plans for the year. What I want to see from the chat is two things. If you made any resolutions last year, gaming related, well, actually, either way, I don't care. You can give us your non-gaming related ones, but mainly we're here for gaming related things. And how you did, right? If you said, I'm going to do, I don't know what any of the resolutions for last year were, but I'm going to reduce my pile of shame or I'm going to do a 10 by 10 challenge. Were you successful? And also, if you have any for this year, because that's what we're going to be talking about in the next segment. All right, we'll be back checking the lobby a few more times during the show. We're here to answer your game, gaming, and game night questions. You can send your questions to questions at tabletopbellhop.com or head on over to tabletopbellhop.com and click on Ask the Bellhop. Uh, social media works too. We're everywhere as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. Well, the best way is for questions come through the website. Actually, I had a bunch pour in over the weekend, which is awesome because it's an easy way for me to rank them and see them. They go out in my inbox. But you know what? Send them on Twitter. Send them on Facebook. The only thing you risk is I miss it in all the clatter, chatter, and everything else scrolling by in my feed. I'm not going to say no to a question asked anywhere. All right. Well, this week, we've got a timely question from Nate Parker, who asked this on Twitter. Do you participate in any board gaming-related New Year's resolutions? Example, play 5x5 or 10x10, reduce the pile of shame by X games this year, play certain games a number of times, no funding Kickstarter games. Which ones and why? If so, if not, why not? All right. Thanks for the question, Nate. Uh, it's a new year. Welcome to 2020, which, man, still sounds weird. I'm having a real difficulty saying 2020 because every time I say it, I think it should be something I'm talking about on one of my star cyberpunk RPG books and not my actual calendar. Um, it's, I don't know, 2020 is messing with my head. Year 2000 was fine. 2010, I was like, ah, that sci-fi movie. Yeah, I don't know. 2020 just feels weird. Yeah. But um, one of the big traditions, of course, is setting resolutions. Um if not resolutions and goals for the next year. So Nate's question comes at the perfect time, right? Right in January. We'd actually talked about this last week. Would have been even closer to New Year's, but uh, it was good timing. So 
Really quick answer to get right to Nate's question before we get into some other stuff is I used to do it. I used to participate in quite a few of these challenges. It was actually something I looked forward to every year. Uh, going back to when I had the Windsor Gaming Resource blog, like to be honest, it's good content, right? It's good stuff. It's good, good social media interaction, especially when I was very active on Google+. There were various groups on Google+, for all the different challenges, and it was a great way to check in with other people and see where they're doing. But I got to admit, not so much by the the end of 2019 and the main reason for that is this that this podcast the the blog the whole tabletop bellhop thing uh in 2018 i took what was my hobby and turned it into my job personally i'm too aware of the statistical reality of goals of this type uh the amount of effort required on a long-term ongoing basis to make new year's resolutions work is often minimized by people which is why the gyms will be mostly empty again come Valentine's Day, year after year. Yeah. Now, what really struck me this year was how many places were selling exercise equipment. And I think it's just because I happened to go to Costco. Like, I happened to go to the right places. But I was like, right. even even um, Shoppers Drug Mart, their, their holiday section changed to nutritional supplements. I was just right. like, wow. I, I don't remember noticing that much. <laughs> so, the bellhop thing. So, it didn't have... A lot of impact at first, right? In 2018, when we first changed over. And part of it was I, I was still, uh, what do you call it? I, I was still getting money from work. I was still, I can't remember the word. I wasn't laid off. I was whatever. Severance. I had a severance and I had stuff like that, right? Um, it didn't really impact us. It didn't really change my whole lifestyle until mid-year 2019. And what happened mid-year 2019 was Origins, or the Origins Game Fair 2019. That was that was really the turning point, where, where the hobby became the job, right? Because I attended the con as press, for one, and it was work. Like, if you want more info on that, read my blog post about it. I, I go on and on about attending Origins as, as work, as opposed to just as, as, a, as a, a gamer, as someone there to have fun. And that was a big change. But the biggest part of that, though, was coming home... With a pile of games, a pile of review copies, um, what I like to call my pile of obligation. Now, I have received few review copies over the years, right? Doing the Windsor Gaming Resource thing or just being a content creator, or being someone even known just locally for running gaming events. It happened to, like now and then, right? Like, I don't know how many times a year, three to five times a year, whatever. It wasn't a big deal. But like coming home from Origins, I had a pile of games. That's when it felt like that's when the weight felt right. Like that's when it was an obligation. I had work to do. It wasn't just, Hey, I got a couple more games to play. No, I have these games I need to do. I need to develop a relationship with these publishers. This is what I do as a job. Now I can't just slough it off. That's when it became an obligation. This obligation, this is far more likely to uh, drive people to achieve things in general, be it work, financial, or what have you. For most people, if you don't run a mile tomorrow, no one really cares. But if you don't do that one thing that someone has invested in you to do, that's different. Yeah. No, totally true. Uh, like, I, I, like I said, I owe people. It's an obligation. It's an actual, I, I am obliged to review these games to do the work. Now, it's January. I am still working on creating review stuff from stuff I got at Origins 2019, even at this point. Heck, the review we've got later in the show for Chocolatiers is one of many games I brought home from Origins. Now, I'm almost done going through everything from Origins. Like, I did the count. There's only, like, five left. But there are some more to do. Now, since getting back, 
I've been in touch with and am now working with a wide variety more publishers. Origins, that was the other big thing Origins did, was open the door, right? The, the floodgates opened up. I now have all these contacts. I've met these people. I have people's names. Plus, my name's out there. People know us, right? We've been around for a year and a half now at this point. So some publishers are sending me stuff. And one of the things that I don't have is the the freedom to decide when to do things as much anymore. So, for example, Japanime Games reached out to me and was like, we want you to review Tante Koro right now. Right now, you need to do it. We're going to launch a Kickstarter. So I got Tante Koro, and I took pictures of Tante Koro, and I got my game group together, and we played Tante Koro, and then nothing. Because they delayed the launch of their Kickstarter. And this keeps happening. I publishers contact me. They're like, Hey, we're launching a Kickstarter and I need the review live on this day. Or, Hey, we sent you these games. We need them done. Now, most of the stuff I brought home from origins didn't have that restriction, which is awesome. People were just like, Hey, give me a review sometime. Awesome. And I can put that off. But the problem is stuff shows up every day. Possibly that box back there is something else I need to review in the next month. And I don't know that yet. So this is why some of the origin stuff still hasn't been done. But other things have gotten done. And part of why it's hard to sign up for a challenge when I don't even know what I need to play or review next month. And to be clear, especially for newer listeners of the show who might not be as familiar with our reviews. Well, yes, there are free games being received here. We strongly believe in giving honest reviews, regardless of how these were these games were acquired. For reviews which were less than shining, one only need look back as far as the recent Tower of Madness review, in which we had a number of problems <laughs> from the unboxing right through to gameplay concerns and, and little limited uh, long-term enjoyment of the game. So, sticky dice. Yeah, sticky, sticky dice. dice. That's all I gotta say. Sticky dice. <laughs> Mate Suggins is already in the chat room, yes. <laughs> okay, so it's these obligations that make signing up to do any form of challenge difficult. I, I feel guilty working on my personal pile of shame when I have a pile of obligations, right? Um, the other thing, too, is like the 10 by 10 challenge, right? That means I'm going to sit down and deep dive a game. And I love the concept of this because so often games are one and done. I love the idea of really diving into a game and seeing all the, the instances, all the, all the idiosyncrasies, right? But diving into the same game 10 times means less time for me to try new games and get reviews done, which as a content creator, you guys don't want to hear about the same game 10 weeks in a row, right? You want to hear about different things. That's why we stopped talking about Azul. <laughs> yeah, partly. There are certain games that I do, do play, but, uh, but the other thing too is not getting any new games or only one new game a month, like, doesn't work when I'm trying to constantly put out new content, right? It's, it's a definite change in focus. While 10 planes of a game doesn't really sound like much, no. when you have a large collection, it means a lot less games will get played, especially if you're into heavier games mm -hmm. that can take up a whole evening for one play. Yeah, definitely. Like, like those epic games. Wow. Like, can you imagine trying to get in 10 games of Twilight Imperium? <laughs> <laughs> now, again, I noted I didn't really feel the pressure of this until Origins 2019. So way back on episode 22 of our podcast, uh, we did a look back. Uh, 2018. We recorded that on Boxing Day uh, 2018. And we talked about some of our goals for 2019. And I thought it would be cool to compare what we said then to where we are now. And 
I actually went back and listened to the episode and went through the notes. So I'm going to go through some of the stuff we talked about then and compare it to where we are now, whether like, I, I guess, compare the challenge, not all of them are challenges, but just compare last year to this year. So this is like, it's, it's 2020. So here's our hindsight is 2020 segment, right? So in 2018, I noted I had played 116 different games. These are games, not expansions, and played those games a total of 295 times, which sounds really impressive when you put it that way. Now, looking at this year, I got to say, I, if I'm, if gaming is not my job, I'm doing a good job because I got a lot more gaming. I had 135 different games played and 436 different gameplays. And I got to say, I'm not disappointed by that number at all. I, that, I'm pretty happy with seeing that. And I expect that next year is probably just going to go up. Now, my most played game for last year is Race for the Galaxy. Now, 100% of that is due to Board Game Arena. Because I play it on Board Game Arena. I have a game going right now. And I'm thinking going into the future, I'm, I'm still, I haven't decided. For 2020, I may not log my plays on Board Game Arena. I, I, I don't know. I don't know their gameplays. We play. We play through full games of Race for the Galaxy. That's, part of me is like, I want to log them because it is a gameplay, right? And if you don't log them, I don't know. I played the game. I didn't physically get it out, but we played. So I haven't decided. Now, number two is Gloomhaven, which I'm actually surprised wasn't something else from Board Game Arena. But you know what? It makes sense. We play and stream our games pretty much every Friday. We miss a few weeks, but we played most Fridays of last year. So there was a lot of Gloomhaven plays getting in. And some of the earlier games, we played multiple sessions in one night. So that number's way up there. Yep. You can join us live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash tabletopbellhop. Yeah, Tori Cat or Ktor, as they're now known, um, will be there with Deanna and I. Sometimes we do some solo plays. Sometimes we do some um, random dungeons, but we try to play Gloomhaven every Friday. So second most played game 2019 was Gloomhaven. Uh, that was followed by Kokuku, which, to be honest, comes as no surprise to me because uh, one of the main things being so quick, you tend to play multiple times in one sitting. And I love the game. Next is Seven Wonders. Again, that's due to playing on Board Game Arena. We always have a game of Seven Wonders. I may just stop logging my plays of Seven Wonders because I don't care. I tend to just click through on most of those. Uh, up next is a physical gameplay, and that was Eminent Domain. Now, I played a ton of this because that game has a learning curve, for one, and it takes a bit to grok. So every time I taught it to a new group, I played the base game with them at least once or twice. And what it was is I was trying to review the Escalation expansion. So I would break out the game, I would play it twice with this group, and then the next week break it out again with the same group with Escalation. So that got a lot more plays than usual just because of that learning curve. Now I'm going to be playing even more Eminent Domain in 2020 because I still have the Exotica expansion. That's one of the things I brought back from Origins I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, next for most plays is Takaido. Again, Board Game Arena. Played a lot of games. I gotta admit, I've stopped playing Takaido on there, but it's there. And then next was Gizmos, which actually kind of surprised me. But you know what? When I first got that, I was bringing it out to every Easy Mode event. I was teaching it to a lot of people. I even played that at a couple cons. We brought it to Queen City Conquest and played at the VIP party. But it just, I was surprised to see it because I personally haven't had Gizmos to the table for a little while, but man, it got a lot of plays. Like it beat out Azul last year. Yeah, no, that was a big game for you. Definitely. Yep. So even I managed 49 different games. Nice. Uh, though my stats got a little skewed this year. As halfway through, I started feeling guilty recording all my digital plays, both BGA and otherwise. And I did stop recording those and started only recording real game plays now yeah. instead. Which lowers my numbers, but for me, it felt more valid. 
So I don't know. You're still playing the game. Like you're playing it from start to finish. It's a complete version of the game. No, it is. Uh, I, you know, for me, like, for, like can't stop probably would have been my number one game yeah, because we play like three or four games of those a day sometimes. But I, I don't know. It's it's. Yeah, I, I haven't decided. Maybe the chat room can help me out there. I, I don't know. Should I log my? I wish there was a different way to log it. Like I, I wish I could log like digital play, physical play, like there were yeah. buttons. Well, you can. I mean, you can do well. On for me, I do location, so I have location. Oh, yeah. See, I don't do that. So I can, I can break everything up by location, uh, and and everything on Board Game Arena is is on Board Game Arena. Everything on Steam is is log was logged on yeah, Steam. Yeah, makes sense. But it for me, it just it didn't feel the same. I it didn't feel as honest to me, and it, yes. it was a personal choice. I'm not. Yep. You know, it's not like we're it's not like we're competing. So yes, that's true. <laughs> Like the other thing too is it's easy for me to look and go, yeah, yeah, that's because of Board Game Arena. Like I yeah. know which games are from Board. Oh Game. yeah, I mean absolutely. You know, I've never played uh, that silly pirate uh, social deduction game yeah. on, uh, uh, in in real life, or or even can't stop for that matter. Yeah, or Libertalia or can't stop. Uh, I've played Tokaido I think once in real life or or twice this year in real life compared to the sixty or seventy plays yep. I've got otherwise. So all right, so looking at my stats. Um, I told you I didn't sign up for a 10 by 10, but if I did, I actually would have succeeded, but only if it could be any game. Like I didn't pick the games ahead of time. And if I could count the board game arena plays, if I don't count the board game arena plays, I actually would have gotten the a five by five challenge. There were five games, physical copies. I played 10 or more times this year, but nowhere near a 10 by 10. But again, this doesn't surprise me, right? Like I, I, don't plan on doing 10 by 10 challenges because there's nothing I want to play 10 times right now because there's other stuff I could be playing. Yeah, I only got a uh, eight games more than 10 times. That's still not bad. Uh, and But again, a number of those were BGA prior to me stopping recording those plays. Uh, if I hadn't stopped recording, I definitely would have gotten the 10 by 10 uh, in yeah. digitally uh, with BGA. Now, the 5 by 5 wouldn't have actually been a challenge, really. Like I mentioned it because it also makes sense because I've said it before, reviews... I don't tend to give a full review of a game until I played it at least five times. That's kind of my number in my head. Sometimes I, I by play three, I know what I'm going to say. Sometimes it takes eight plays, but five's the arbitrary number in my head that I got to play a game five times before I do a full review. I'll, I'll give you initial thoughts reviews. I'll talk about the game on the podcast. But by the time I do up like the full blog post review, I tend to play the game five times. So there's lots of games I played at least five times this year. Almost every game I brought home from Origins, I played at least five times before talking about it so five by five like i could do that probably in my sleep like i yeah. I, I could probably do a 25 by five or a 40 by five by the end of the year yeah i i think though if i if i completely exclude all the digital plays i think i was a tiny bit short of the five yeah. by five um i but only a tiny bit and i think literally if i played a couple more rounds of Gokuku at extra yeah. life i probably would have done it <laughs> that probably would have done it <laughs> Yeah, so, that's part of the problem too, right? When you come down, it's all about, well, I got to show you these games you missed, right? Yeah, so, it's, so you, you know, I've got this long list of, you know, 50 games or whatever that I've played, but I've played most of them once or twice. <laughs> all right, so up next, last year, I talked about the best new-to-me games, right? So these are these are hot games that came out in 2018, but didn't come out. These are games I played in 2018 because, as we've said many times on this podcast, we are not about the new hotness, or if we are, it's the new hotness from 2011 or so. <laughs> Right. So same thing here. So just for, for sake of completeness, I'll tell you what my top of 2018 are. Uh, Anachrony. Still love it. Fallout the board game. I got to admit, haven't played it in a long time. I was really digging on it. It's been a long time since I hit the table. Bruges still dig it. 
Uh, St. Petersburg Second Edition, which surprises me, but I do remember getting caught on that. Hasn't seen the table much this year. And of course, Azul. Azul was my biggest play last year. And then I also listed the biggest surprise of the year, which was Laser Riders, which I got to admit, I haven't played much this year, but I, it's still a great game. I no, Nothing against Laser Riders, it just hasn't come out. And I also bothered to mention my RPG of the year, which was Worldwide Wrestling from uh, Nathan D. Paoletta, which I, you can't go wrong there. Still a fantastic game. Yep. So looking at this year, uh, top game of the year has got to be Gokuku. I, I have had way too much fun playing that since Wayne Humphrey convinced me to pick it up at Origins. I, I That game's just fantastic. I can't believe how much fun it is with such a wide variety of players for what's basically a four-plus age kids game. Yeah, for me, uh, my top game of the year has, has to be Duke with my son. Yep. Uh, those plays with him have really been sort of my gaming highlight of the year overall. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. And you have the Lord's Edition, right? Uh, is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. The newer one? Yeah. Yeah. I noticed we've been selling a lot of copies, which I'm guessing is from the two-player date night article. Uh, Um, Next for me would be Tyrants of the Underdark. Uh, This is our example of, uh, you know, new hotness from, I think, 2014. Um, I'm late to the party. I know it. Everyone's been telling me every time I talked about this game, oh, you got to get it, you got to get it. Well, I got it. It's great. You were all right. Best deck yielding game I played in a long time. So that's my number two for 2019. And up for me is the DC deck building. Uh, this time my daughter was able to join in on, uh, on uh, with us. You know, it's it's a multiplayer game. And I had not expected her to actually have any interest in this game at all. I mean, I got it for something, again, for my son and I to do together. And the fact that she joined in and it became more of a family event than I had ever hoped that's for awesome. made it all the better. Uh, I, I need to get it to the table more often than I do, I think. Uh, up next for me is Imhotep, a uh, brilliant gateway game, a uh, surprising amount of depth for, for what seems simple. Uh, lately, I've been playing with the new Dynasty expansion, which adds even more variety, and I'll have more about that in our Week in Review segment. Uh, next up for me would be uh, the Harry Potter, uh, the Harry Potter Hogwarts battle. Uh, again, family playtime, and, and that's really yeah. kind of the what it's all about for me. So Fair enough. Uh, next, I'm going to mention Veenhouse Deluxe. Now... This is one of those ones that's rough just because I haven't I haven't published a full review of this yet. I haven't had my five plays. Um, part of it is I haven't tried the 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 other vintage, I forget what they call them. The other side of the board, the more complicated version of the game, the, the new version. Um, I'm tempted to leave this one and not say it's for this year and it might be for next year, but technically I did play the base game in 2018, so I guess it belongs on this list. Maybe it'll be on next year's list too with the other side of the board. Overall, I love this game. Vitalis Herda, I have not played a bad game from him, so... Like if you like heavy games, it's definitely definitely the way to go. Yeah, and I mean for me, the rest of my gaming has really mostly been focused on BGA. Yeah, so I, and and there's a lot of it. I mean, I'm playing the the number of games I'm playing. I, I generally have eleven games on the go at any one time. Wow. So there's a lot of gaming going on. It's just not on a physical table. Uh, final one for me for 2019 is going to be War Chest. I love the way this game makes me think. Abstract strategy game that actually reminds me of the Duke that Sean's talking about while being completely different from the Duke at the same time, which which somehow works. Um, for how much I dig this game, though, I didn't play it that many times. Like, when I look at my actual number of plays, it's a lot lower. I actually, in my head, was thinking I got this in 2018, but I checked my game plays and I got it in February 2019. So it's a 2019 game, but it was earlier in the year. It, this is one I need to play more. This is one that got got lost because of Origins, right? This is yeah. one I owned and I'm onto the new hotness. 
whether it's new or not. New to me games, new stuff, and I, I need to get that out more often. I got to start bringing that one out to, to pubs and bars when Deanna and I have a night off. Yeah, no, and it was a great game. We, you and I got a couple of plays in on it. Yep. It's, a, it's a great game. Again, it's it's got that Duke feel while being so different. Um, but again, you know, it's it's got a lot of competition along with every other game out yeah, there right like now. Yeah, like everything else, right? It's, it's hard to get games to the table. And then since I did last year with Razor Riders, biggest surprise of the year. Um, I'm going to cheat. I'm not going to pick a specific game. This is going to be the licensed games from Ravensburger because I got to admit, I'm still kind of shocked by this. How good... Ravensburger got out of nowhere. Like Ravensburger always put out like the Aaliyah games and they were good, but like these licensed games, starting with like Minecraft Builders and Biomes, Horrified with Universal Monsters, Jaws, even if it wasn't my favorite, though I need to get some more plays in, but just it's a solid game. And while I haven't played them, I've heard really good things about the Disney Villainous games, which I completely overlooked. But now knowing that they're put out by Prospero Hall and Ravensburger, I really want to try Villainous now. Like I, like they, they, shocked me by how good these licensed games are like for 2020 i'm really looking forward to they're doing a back to the future yeah i know i have to say um like the minecraft was good and i enjoyed it and as a minecraft fan i really enjoyed it but for me the biggest surprise was horrified um mm-hmm. i did not expect that to be a good game i was expecting it to be fluffy and yeah. it wasn't it was a surprisingly solid game with a real you know difficulty curve to it mm-hmm. that you could adjust with the number of monsters and and I was shocked. Yeah, no, I like I said overall. I said I'm cheating. My my surprise for the year is it's basically Prospero Hall, right? Like who yeah. are working with Ravensburger to put these games out. All right, 2019 goals. Um that we set. Sorry, 2018, 2019 goals. Yeah. So we set these in 2018. We set some goals for for the bellhop for us. Um our first one was to hit 100 subscribers on YouTube. And Sean watches the numbers a little bit more than I did. How did we do? 274 people currently so oh, yeah? we've definitely hit the uh the 100 mark we got our vanity name so we don't have yes. to be described as youtube.com slash colon polar fgqpl yes, whenever the heck it was yep so youtube.com slash tabletop bellhop excuse me gets you to us so now what about 2020 i i, I gotta admit i'd love to say a thousand subscribers right like that that's the goal it's it's a huge benchmark on YouTube. It's one that would be awesome if we could achieve it. Like it, it's I, I forget what they call it, partner, affiliate, whatever the hell YouTube calls it. But it's the thing that lets us start actually making money on YouTube, which would be awesome. But I don't know. I like that's a lot from two hundred and seventy four. That's that's seven hundred and fifty six subscribers. Yeah. Though I gotta admit, some of our YouTube does seem to be doing better and better for us lately. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but uh, it's going to take some pushing. Um, so honestly, we're not even asking you to hit the bell and get upload notifications. Honestly, I find those annoying and don't use them for anybody. But just being a subscriber, even if you rarely watch a video, can be a big help. So, you know, if you know if you know someone who's, uh, you know, even if they don't use YouTube and hit the follow the subscriber button, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, j- it's it, until you hit a thousand it becomes it's a it's a silly numbers game uh and then over a thousand uh is is all kind of bonus but for some reason they have arbitrarily decided that 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 one number uh seems to matter so and to be honest this this goes for everyone if you want to help a, a content creator on youtube just hit that subscribe button yeah don't necessarily turn on the notifications if personally i'm at the point now where if i look at your channel and you have gaming content i sub 
Like, yeah. I just want more gamers on YouTube. I want more yep. gaming content in the world, even though maybe there are a competition, whatever. I just, I literally, if you share your YouTube channel on, and I watch one of your videos, if I watch even one, I'm going to hit sub. Like, right. that's just what I do. I hit sub on, on every one I watch just to say thanks. Like, hey, thumbs up, because that number is important. It's unfortunate, yep. but it's a thing. Yep. So I don't know. If, I, if our goal is like 1,000, we'll say our goal is 1,000. I was more thinking like 500, maybe maybe 750. But you know what? 1,000 is what matters. Yep. So absolutely. I guess it is. All right. Next was another successful goal. Um, at the start of the year, uh, Deanna and I noted that we wanted to attend three gaming conventions. If possible, as the Bellhop team, not just as people going. There were three cons we had picked were Breakout Con in Toronto, Origins in Columbus, Ohio, and Queen City Conquest in Buffalo, New York. And Deanna and I did manage to make it to all three. Well, unfortunately, I was only able to make it to Breakout Con this year, but it was my first time there. And I really, really yeah. found, you know... Now I understand why people were talking about it so much and why it's such a great con. It was great to represent the Bellhop team as I was in there covering all the fantastic panels that they had last year. And I'm uh, looking forward to making it back again this year. Now, as for 2019, um, I think the goal is going to be the same. Like, I would love, right now, I would love to say we're going to go to four cons this year. And then next year, we're going to go to five. And the year after, we're going to go to six. But right now, I, that's not in the budget. Like, it's not even close. Uh, to be honest, as it stands, I don't even know if we're going to be able to make it to those three. Uh, that's mainly due to changes in management at a couple of those cons. Uh, Origins is looking pretty good. We've already got our hotel booked. But Breakout QCC, uh, to be honest, the ball's in their court that way. Um, the way things are financially, we can afford to go with they will have us there as guests or media and we would love to attend as guests or media either way i would personally prefer to go as a guest and run some games i think that'd be awesome but if they'd rather we go as media that's cool uh if that's not gonna happen i don't know like we might be able to make it work but it's gonna be rough yep. so i think our goals for 2020 are to hit the same three cons what i would like to see is sean out to more of them yeah no i'm certainly angling for all three especially now the qcc is back at a uh a more beneficial time for me yeah september um but schedules and budgets all come into play so you know again right now breakouts a good thing that's that breakout shouldn't be issues at all uh especially because it's essentially local for me yeah for you um, it's easy um and then uh we'll we'll see what's happening origins is still going to be weird and we'll we'll get things <laughs> a we'll tabletop bellhop cruise I, I, I you know what maybe a maybe a bar hop or a beer walk or something i don't know about a cruise Origins uh, Origins is probably going to be a done deal, at least for Deanna and I. Like, we've got the yeah. hotel booked. That's uh, we, we got very positive feedback on our coverage of Origins last year. They were actually very impressed by the work we did. So, And plus, I even if I can't, I think I have to. Like, just, yeah. it, it, it's, it's going to be our primary source of content in the years going forward, as far as I can tell. So, yep. Think big. I've never even been on a cruise. So Poncho in the chat saying we need we need a bellhop cruise. I don't know. I I've, it maybe if I've ever been on a cruise road trip via rail. We can we have a gaming car on via rail. I do that. We'll, <laughs> we'll like go. go to Quebec or something. We'll go see see Ryan. Go to Nova Scotia on the yep. on the train, and we'll we'll the bellhop. <laughs> box I'm all up for it. But yeah, I, I, nothing new for cons. I'm hoping to attend at least three. Um, now what I should do, and, and I should look into this, I should look into Detroit cons, like just to show up, throw, throw some, throw some merch, right? Like throw some yep. business cards around, get my name known, like show up and play. It's not like there aren't some, business you know, cards. designers and such across the, the, I'm sure uh, there are, right? Yeah. Like, and maybe some of our patrons and some of the, like Joe Swick, I know lives over there. Uh, Wayne Humphreys no longer in Michigan, but I know we have some Michigan fans 
That that might be something we could do too. Something to look into. Uh, oh, actually, we do. I do plan on attending a con in Chatham, but that as the tabletop bellhop. But that's going to be our our one of our extra life steps. So actually, technically, there might be more cons in there. And plus, I could I should basically throw Comic Con on there. Windsor Comic Con will be at. But that's we're going to be there running an extra life booth, trying to run money, doing demo games. But you know what? It counts. So to be honest, yeah, there might be a bit more. But yeah, I'd love to hit the big three. I I really hope things work out. All right, up next, I, uh, this one's my biggest um, a pie on my face. This is this one we've dropped the ball on for over a year now, and it's 100% my fault. Uh, I suck. We suck. I don't know. Uh, that's updating our Patreon. We keep talking about it. I am ashamed to say we've been talking about this for over a year now, and we still haven't done anything, and that's all on me. Now, Deanna has some great ideas. She sat down. She put them down on paper. We talked about it at a coffee shop. She emailed me her list. I read through it. We even talked about some of it. It all looked good. It just we haven't actually taken the time to sit down and do it, like the decide what of her ideas we're going to go through, and then actually make the changes. I got to say, part of it's um, it's hard, right? Because... I am having a real hard time trying to figure out what we can do to make the Patreon more worthwhile for both us and our fans, right? Because trying to find rewards that make sense with our format, because most Patreons are making something. Like, yes, we have a podcast. Some some do that, right? They charge per podcast episode. I don't want to do that. Our podcast is always going to be free. I don't plan on ever charging for our podcast. Uh, but I'm not making RPGs, right? I can't give you the maps for my D&D adventure early, right? Like, it just, like, Deanna has some great ideas, and and it's just trying to find out stuff that makes sense, because we do things a bit different. Um, we're answering questions, right? You're we're, That's what we're here for. We're answering your questions and creating content around those questions. Now, the unboxing, the reviews are all kind of part of that. Uh, but I will say, you know what, like, I don't know. We, we got to figure out what works, but I commit to it now. We will get the patron updated soon. Um, I'm almost willing to say by the end of January, I'm tempted to say by the end of next week, just to flip and get it done. Um, but I will promise there will be more in it for you, the listener, the viewer, the people in our chat room. Um, there's going to be more for the fans than ever before. One of the changes of focus is Deanna has pointed out that the Patreon very much sounds like my ego, me just talking about what, what I know and why I know it and how much years of experience I have. Instead, we want to change to go, what do you get out of this? Why, what, how is that useful for you, right? What are we going to be able to provide you instead of where does my background come from? So the other thing, as usual, uh, if you get any ideas, especially those of you in the chat room, you you are what uh, Ryan, Ryan Peach likes to call you are our hoplites. So a shout out to the hoplites. You are our biggest fans. You're the ones that take the time out of your week. Uh, out of your day on Wednesday to come and join us. You obviously have a vested interest in what we're doing. I would love to hear what you would like, what you would like to see. What are things that other pod, what other content creators have given that you think we could do? I would love to hear any ideas. And if you don't have any, that's fine. Cause I, I am assuming no news is good news, right? No one's, no one's given us ideas cause they can't think of anything either. But yeah, it's, it's my bad. Like Deanna keeps coming to me and we sat down. We're like, we're going to do it Tuesday. And then I get sick. And then it gets put off for three months again. It's it's, it's all my bad. I, I apologize. Yeah. We will get the Patreon updated. It's funny because I actually just the other day helped nudge another friend of the show uh, at Jen Cat Writes. Uh, oh, work on her awesome. Patreon in the other day because she didn't know what to do. She was going to a coffee shop and she was going to work on something and it was going to be either a game or the Patreon. I said, no, you need to work on the Patreon because everyone hates it. So if you're going to make a vote. Yeah. 
work on the Patreon because it's horrible. Uh, the Patreon site is not fun. The Patreon no. mobile site is less or is, is not fun, but in a different because it's a different interface and they don't yeah. work the same at all. And while, you know, everyone who puts out a Patreon generally has a need of that money, there's a reason why content creators use Patreon. Yep. Yep. It's because how it's how they get paid. But the site does not make it enjoyable to do no, that it's, work with it's your not. patrons. It's, that, really it's, not. it's set up with like stretch goals and stuff, right? Like that's not the yeah. kind of thing. Like I, I, we could throw up arbitrary. If we make the fifty dollars a month, we're good. I don't know. Like it's it's, yeah. it's 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 it was originally created for music people who created music and artists who created like pieces of art yeah. who could be like, yes, we'll release a new album. We'll give you a bonus track. We'll record an acoustic track. We can't do that, right? Yeah. Um. Hey. Uh. So yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe there. I, I don't know. We'll talk. I don't want to talk about Patreon sure. ideas. <laughs> All right. So anyway, it'll get done. I'll tell you what, by January 31st, there we go. by January There's 31st, it'll be done. We will hold There's them to date. it. By January 31st, hopefully sooner. I actually want to do it sooner. I'd almost say tomorrow, but I want to do some unboxings tomorrow. All right. Uh, next, going this again, we're going back to episode 22. What we said we'd do. We failed on the last one. We succeeded on the first two. So, so far, so good. Uh, next, we talked about re-recording episode zero. And we said we'd have it done by the end of January. Hell no. Didn't happen. Uh, what I don't know is, should it like, is there a point in having an episode zero? I remember feeling strongly about it when we started because podcasts I liked all had episode zeros and there were great intros. And that's what I used to do when I would sub to a podcast, I would grab their episode zero, listen to that and then decide to sub or not. Right. I'm so far behind on podcasts. I can't remember the last time I subbed to a new podcast. So I don't know. Is it, is this even a thing people do anymore? Yeah. I mean, I, it's not something I check up for on my, on my particular podcast that I listen to. Um, I actually have a script I wrote up months ago for a quick replacement of the YouTube def default video when we were having yeah. that, that issue. Um, but for, and that I think we probably should actually still do is, is we well, record what that, I do that now is I replace video. it every, I forget what day, the Saturday with our latest Ask the Bellhop. Right. Just that segment, the Ask the Bellhop segment, what we're doing right now. Right. Which I think works. So if you go there, you're always going to get our latest and it always starts with today we're answering a question from, right? Which I That's think fair. gets the point of cost. Yep. Uh, but for the podcast, I'm not really sure there's a, a any real point in ep in recording episode zero. Now the only thing I, the only thing that might be useful on YouTube is you can set different videos for subscribers and for new visitors. Right. It might be useful for a new visitor, though. I think our Ask the Bellhop segment. Mostly yeah, no, I think I think Ask the Bellhop works. I I, I don't really see those ever because I go in the back door. Yeah. So I. I didn't know that was what you're doing. That makes so sense. My only problem is remembering to update them. I'm not oh, perfect yeah. at remembering to update them. Trello. I, get your, get your, yeah, uh, I need to I need to get back into Trello. But maybe the, when we get to 2020 goals, I think that has to be on there, <laughs> is find a new way to uh, plan stuff. It's weird because some of the stuff we never mess up and some of the stuff I always do and the Trello helped and then it was like annoying. I don't know. So I don't know. Episode zero fans. Again, if you guys think we need an episode zero, I think at this point we're just not going to. I don't think fans care. It's new listeners who might care, which is yeah, we can't it, ask them because they're not listeners yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Would you listen to our podcast if we had an episode zero? Like uh, the, the original idea was to record a new one every year. Yeah. 
We had talked about that, but again, it, I don't it, really... it would keep it up because we've changed format a lot, yes. like a surprising amount. <laughs> we have gone through a lot of changes and I always go with no news is good news because very seldom do we get feedback. I have noticed that more people watch us for the first half of the show. So the whole moving the ask the question to the front half does seem to have helped and the splitting stuff up on YouTube, which actually we're going to get to that in a bit. So I'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, so, some of the stuff we've done seems to have helped, but I've yet to have anyone really say... The only thing I've had is people miss the Gloomhaven stuff, which I keep meaning to throw back into the Tabletop Weekly to just kind of talk about which scenario we played. So there's at least something there for the fans of Gloomhaven. All right. Uh, still, 2018 goals. Um, extra Life. We've I've done Extra Life for, what, eight years now? It's 10 years in, whatever. Um, 2018, we raised, I don't know, maybe $7,000. And I say maybe because the way Extra Life worked last year was no matter what currency you donated in, it showed on the web page as US dollars. So if you logged into our Extra Life page, it shows we raised $7,001. But that is a mix of US and Canadian money, mostly Canadian, like 99% Canadian. We have like Deanna's brother, Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games, and a couple people on Twitter who donated to me in US. Everything else was raised in Canadian. So we probably made about $6,300. I don't know. So it's hard to tell. Um, I could try to get those real numbers. So this year they fixed things, kind of. When people donated in Canadian and it converted it to US and displayed that total, which I got to admit, bummed out a bunch of locals because they really wanted to see a big number, especially someone's like, I donated 50 bucks. Where's my 50 bucks? Like, oh no, sorry. It shows whatever, 42 and change because of the exchange rate. Um, that's why if you watched our extra life, we have all these weird donations of like 4283. It's because someone donated 55 US. Part of the problem is I have no idea what they use to, for the exchange rate. It doesn't match up what I see on XE or whatever. So this year we raised 6,375, which I assure you is more than we made last year. Though I looking at the numbers, it doesn't look like it. So we did better than last year, but the goal we set in January was $10,000. Now, we did a lot of things right. I, I think we did some great things like the, the, the warm-up event was fantastic. The one you came down for. We had a ton of people out that day. That went really well. But there were some complications this year, especially when dealing with multiple venues. And I'm hoping we can avoid those next year. Um, I don't feel bad that we didn't hit our goal. I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated by some of the stuff that happened. But you know what? I, what I care is we did better than last year. If we just keep doing better than the year previous, I'm actually happy. But as for a target, I think I'm going to stick with 10,000 this year. I think we've got a few more people on board. And I think some of the people who are on board understand better what's involved than they did previous year. Yeah. Unfortunately, between lack of follow through on the part of some people uh, and then malicious cyber attacks on well, the yeah. actual Extra Life site on the day of Extra Life, all of that sort of combined to make it so that we didn't get the results we wanted. Uh, but that's not that they were bad results. We were just aiming higher based on prior experience and, you know, things uh, things worked against us. And uh, that was unfortunate. So, yeah, I think at this point, 10,000 is going to be our extra life goal again this year. And I, I think we have a better chance than ever of hitting it. I would love to see more support from from Bellhop fans because most 99% of that was raised locally, which makes sense because that's where the local gamers are. But I would love to see, um, I, I know people already said they didn't like the name, but Hoplites joining the team. I, I would love to see the Bellhop team stretch out further than just in Windsor. I think that would be awesome. I would love to see people running an event in Buffalo raising money for our group. That would be great. 
All right, next goal from 2019 was for Sean, and that was to work on splitting and separating the YouTube content. I got to say, that seems to be going even better than we thought it would. Uh, indeed. Uh, I think we're, I think it's definitely helped drive some traffic to it in viewing and viewing numbers. Now, if only we can find that magic sauce that makes a video succeed and another one <laughs> fail, fall flat. Um, if you've got ideas of, of stuff you'd like us to produce on YouTube, uh, let us know. There's still a couple of the days of the week. We're not releasing content, <laughs> anything of any, of any kind. So, you know. Yeah, it's possible. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. FAQ read-throughs. That, that's the one we didn't expect. That We did the Terraforming Mars one, and it's not doing as well as the Gloomhaven, but it's doing surprisingly well. Yep. Uh, we've had some requests for um, Tainted Grail FAQ read-through, and I'm like, I don't know. Unless I can, like, one of the suggestions was bring on an expert, and I think that's what we'd have to do, is find an expert in the game and have them on the show, and Sean and I can kind of discuss it, but we never played the game. So, I don't know. Right. All right, now to game challenges. So going back to gaming, back to Nate's question. Um, I guess I did sign up to say I was going to do 10 by 10. I, I, okay, sure. I don't remember. I got to say, I, we talked about this a little while ago. I guess I succeeded if you count board game arena plays. Uh, if you don't, I failed. Uh, no, I already said it. I'm not signing up for this one in 2020. Um, I expect the, the, the pile of obligation to be my only grow bigger, right? Um, Origins... I was nervous last year and there was only two of us and I'm going to be recruiting help. And I expect to that pile of obligation to be a tower of obligation by this time next year. So um, I keep making more and more industry contacts, working with more publishers. Um, I've got another one coming in when we get to the announcements tonight. I've got something I'm unboxing at the end of the show. That's a prototype from a company. I just keep making more contacts, which is awesome. Uh, the brand's growing. We're getting more work, right? Um, so my 2020 is going to be all about playing new games and talking about those games rather than deep diving the games I already own. Yeah. I don't really do challenges, but what I really enjoy is to see what I have achieved and didn't achieve in hindsight. Uh, and this is why I really like that board game stats app is to look and see, you know, wow, you know, I really played a bunch of games last year. I'm surprised that, you know, maybe <laughs> I played more year, than I thought. Exactly. Uh, you know, so I hit 49 this, uh, this year, um, this past year, maybe I'll, break 50 next year, you know, and that, and that'll be great. And, you know, if I, if I'm down, I can look and see why, but, uh, as far as challenges, it's not really, uh, my thing. I've in one ways, I feel like, especially because of my play, um, something like 10 to 10 by 10 might cause me to pass on playing a new game, which I might enjoy more in favor yeah. of one that I know would have helped me achieve the win. And for me, that's a loss. Yeah. So 10 by 10s are usually people that own like 100 games, right? Yeah. Or 500 games. And it's like, I always play the new stuff and I want to deep dive the games I love, right? right. That, that's usually what a 10 by 10, that's usually the push, right? And which I get, like I, I like Anachrony, it was my top game of last year. I would love to play that 10 times and really like get to know the different factions and how the game plays, and but it's not going to happen. All right, one of the other challenges I accepted last year that I really wish I could commit to is RPG a month. Um... I kind of own this one, right? Roger Braslett is the person who started it on G+, but I kind of took the reins. I took it over from him. Uh, he stopped doing it, and I keep trying to keep this one alive. I have a group on MeWe where we do it. I talk about it on Twitter now and then, but I just don't get enough role-playing in, right? Like I had Tabletop Bellhop, but it's mostly board games anymore. Uh, without playing RPGs, it's really hard for me to justify spending free time reading new ones every month. While I would love to read a new role-playing game every month, I just know it's not realistic, especially when I'm not playing. Now, for 2020, what I do want to commit to is getting my Monday night game 
group, my home group, to play RPGs. Anything. I don't even care what at this point. We keep talking about it. We keep pushing it. I had them at the table. I had DCC characters, and I bribed them with funky dice, and I still couldn't get the group back. So I, I there, there's a couple games we have to play. That Pile of Obligation has some RPGs in it. Shadowrun, 6th edition, is one of them. And Runaway Hirelings, Thomas Novacell. I'm sorry. We still haven't gotten your game played. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. So there's some that I have to do. They're all obligations, but I just don't want. Like in 2019, I think I ran one session of Rocker Boys and Vending Machines. And other than that, the only RPGs I did were at cons, which I love that I got to play some games at cons, but that's not all I want. Yeah. Well, I feel I should really try and get into an RPG, even just one session at a con, uh, dealing with social anxiety issues at the con. Um, uh, because I mean, you don't, you don't even get any RPGs for your regular group. So I'm not going to yeah. expect you to start up a start up any, as much as I would love to play yeah, um, online, shadows you. online, you know, an online game of shadows, uh, and, and, you know, get that Warhammer feel up and going, you know, there, again, we've already got enough content to be yeah. generated. I, we, we can't really find time to do that. Plus finding the other players for online and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, it's just not realistic. And I am actually getting some online, uh, some online play. We we were down for the the holidays, and hopefully that'll start up again soon uh, for some online RPGs uh, elsewhere. That, that's the hard part too. Is I know I can find a group online, right? Nowadays it's pretty easy. Yeah. There's probably enough people I could run a game for the chat room, right? <laughs> uh, and people would probably love it. But it just I have the group. They're here. They're physically here. Yep. They come to my house. It just it hasn't quite worked. But yeah, we got to get you to play a con game, especially like, like Breakout, right? Like you do it at one of those games where you're playing with the gem pe people, people you're already comfortable with instead of strangers. Well, I'm not even necessarily wor that worried about it. It's 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 mostly just getting me to the table. I, yeah. I don't want to go to the table because I don't know them. But once I'm at the table, I'm fine. That's one of those things. you know. So I, you and I will sign up to play I one can, child's heart. And... Well, then, no. Um, well, that's the other thing, though, is that actually I, I almost need to do a, do a, a session without you because normally you and I go and sit at yeah. the table together. That's um, true. So really, I should uh, you know find a session of worldwide wrestling or something and sit down at. So if um, Tom Flanagan's running um, if we, if we ever find him running another table of Tales for the Loop, the two of us, I've got to play that again. Oh yeah, because that was just way too good. I think that was 2018, wasn't it? Uh, that was QCC when I did. Yeah, that was 2018 then, because yeah. you weren't at QCC yeah. last year. All right. Um. Final resolution last year uh, is what we end up calling less shame, more game. Hashtag less shame, more game. The less shame, more game challenge. Uh, at the time, we added a tracker to the top of um, to the top of the show here for those of us joining live. The people who, yeah, I don't know, one of those yeah, directions. Yeah. There was a tracker uh, that we had here on Twitch, and you can see on our YouTube videos. And we talk about it at the end of every week: how many games went on and how many games went off. And I gotta say, I think it was going really good at the beginning of the year. Like I was burning through games at a great rate. Like a, it's it's the workout thing, I guess, right? Like <laughs> I think it lasted past February, but like at first I was doing good. And I think if we had kept up that rate, I might have got through most, if not all, of the games in my current pile of shame. Yeah, no, sadly, the pile of obligation ratcheted the number up too high, mm. and the turnover meant that the games were for a while coming in as fast as they were being taken off. We actually had a number of episodes where we were calculating the net change yeah. in the pile as some were played, but more were added on, and so it, it just wasn't a valid counter. Yeah, it it just... was just sort of hovering at a, a level. Yeah, uh, and, and at this point, it's probably still around that same level, because I 
continue to get new stuff. That's yep. the pile behind me is some new stuff I've got. Now, what I did think was interesting is I went through, I, I booted up my spreadsheet. I hadn't touched it in, in months. Like again, probably since Origins. And um I went and added the new games I got for Christmas and stuff, right? And I did play a ton of the games I got in 2019. Like if you just took my pile of shame and like if it had been wiped clean and I just took in, here's what you got in 2019 versus what you played. There were literally only nine games left. Like I had played everything else I got in 2019. That counts stuff I bought, gifts, and the stuff I got from Origins, stuff I got from publishers. Like nine left. There were five expansions also. And I got to say that's pretty damn good for me. Like that's probably better than any other year. Usually when I'm doing my pile of shame, like the it goes down, but it also goes up with the new stuff from that year. And then by the time I get into the next year, the pile is usually about the same size. It's just new games that weren't in there before whereas this year the old stuff's still there because i didn't touch any of the old stuff but most of the new stuff when it came in came out like there were a lot of games that like got played within a week of getting them right like they, they came in they got played they went away well not went away so what i think i'm going to do is i'm going to keep the spreadsheet going but i'm not doing any challenge right like i said i can't right i i the pile of obligation i could come back from origins with 120 games i might come back from origins with five i don't know i might get emailed tomorrow from restoration I, I, no here there's the one i want to see i want restoration games to email me tomorrow and say you're reviewing dark tower because that would be awesome right like i want to see that and they want it done in a week i'll get that done in a week right uh my goal though is to get through the pile of obligation right like this just makes sense the pile of obligations i want to be zero well, I don't want it to be zero because I want new stuff to be constantly getting in, but I want to keep on getting content out for all the games I receive in a in a reasonable time frame, which I, I guess that's a, that's a, that's a goal, but like that that should just be a goal of any reviewer, right? Yep. I, I hope to review everything I receive to review. Yep. Uh, and if and if that number ever did hit zero, that means no more unboxings or reviews, yeah. and that's no good for you guys. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't want it to hit zero. I I just I want to keep up. I, I want to maintain. I'm pretty happy with where I am with the stuff from Origins. Like I'm I'm certain by Origins 2020, I'll have done everything for Origins 2019. All right. Um. Anything else? What do we got? So 2020. What do we have for 2020 goals? Uh, personal for you, for me, for the whole Belfop thing. Uh, I think for me, my main goal is to get a new graphic uh, intro extra for YouTube happening. Uh, sure. Well, I like our little rendered bell that we use as, as a you know thumbnail on and the the intro uh, uh, video. Uh, it's a bit boring, so I started learning some new software back in December uh, with the initial goal of learning enough to be able to set up and and update that that video intro. Cool. Um, so once I get that done, I'm hoping, you know, by say March or so, depending on, you know, how I, how I do and how over, overzealous I get with the actual, uh, <laughs> animation. Um, it's just seeing, you know, how we can make our content better or more interesting or more something, uh, to get us to that next level and, uh, you know, drive viewers to the channel. Uh, one of the things I'd like to do is get the logo changeover officially done. Um, We've updated a ton of things, a lot of it. You can see some of it on our stream right now. Anyone watching has the bell in that corner now and our new wider video and our new font up at the top and all that stuff. Um, but I haven't done it everywhere, right? Um, one of the big ones is the web page itself. We need the title, but the problem is we need Erin's help. She did something so that the bell shows up in line with the text with 
CSS that DNNIs well, well past our ability. I went in once and tried to change it, and ooh, no, not good. <laughs> so, so we need some help from our webmaster, and our webmaster um, is amazing. Aaron is awesome and works mostly for free. So. I don't want to put pressure on her to do it and help us out for free. So when she has time, we'll get her help and we'll get it done. Uh, social media. I'm going to be changing my social media picks right now. I've got the bell where it says tabletop bellhop. I'll be ditching the words. I wanted to keep it for a few months so that people recognized it. Now that that's gone, I just want the bell. So everyone recognizes the bell. Uh, it's already hard to read on most devices anyway. So that's a goal. Um, the big one, though, that I'm going to have a hard time with that I, we, I don't know, DNI need to look at are header images. Header images everywhere. Header images on Facebook. Header images on events. Header images on Patreon. Everywhere has got different sizes, stupid banners. And I don't even know what to put there. Like, I don't know what are, like, my, the graphic I used when we launched this was a shot of my basement on New Year's Eve after Sean had shown up and there's actually some like squirt guns sitting on the table that I forgot to clear off before snapping the pick. Like, and I, I usually put our logo over top of that. So you can't see the, they're not squirt guns, but um, dart guns or whatever suction cup guns. I, I pick up random dollar store toys on the way to yes. New Year's parties. And, uh, and like, it, it's a picture of my game room. It kind of works, but I don't know. It, 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 it worked for, for when we needed something, but we need something better. And I don't know if that's just our bars with the yellow and the gold and our new logo. I don't know what it is, but that, that's a, that's a big one. That's a big step. And adding to that, which I didn't have in the show notes, we got to get merch out there. If I remember correctly, Poncho is someone who is looking for shirts and we now have the logos. We have the stuff. We just need to, to take that next step and get that wherever, whether that's using Twitch to do it, which I don't think is probably not the best choice or going through like a red bubble or whatever, but whatever it happens to be, we need to get shirts. And then that'll tie in with going to those cons is yep. if we can show up with our own merch and heck throw some in the trunk in case anyone wants to buy some on us while we're there. Yep. Right. So we're also happy to listen to suggestions for other content. I mean, we've talked about reading game manuals and discussing them to go along with our fact yeah. FAQ read throughs. Uh, but we don't know what people would actually watch. Um, and there's only, you know, so much uh, so much we're willing to throw at a wall to see if it sticks. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Like, 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 was is anyone interested in Sean pulling a Jeff Engelstein and doing audiobooks of board game rule books? <laughs> I know Sean's got the better voice for it. Or even discussing the rule books, like Sean describes the rule and then I talk about how it may affect in play. I don't know. The way the FAQs have taken off. Um, as I mentioned when we talked about Sean, I don't know if we can read out rule books. I don't know. If they're already out in PDF, I don't think it'd be a problem. But I don't know. There's companies out there like Ultra Board Games that, as far as I can tell, just retype board game rule books on their webpage. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know with copyright and rule books. Yeah. I mean, we'd want to look into it, but I don't think it, it, it would be a big difficulty. I mean, you look at board game, uh, board game geek and most of that stuff is all duplicated. You know, it's yeah, I know stuff uh, it, it'd be interesting to look into heck. It might be a market even like that. That could be a thing. We'll, we'll start doing flipping RPG rule books and companies can pay Sean to read <laughs> off shit. That would be awesome. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Like these talking about fiction books not being able to read. I, I don't. I don't think you copyright rule books. Rule. Well, you, you can't copyright. copyright rules in the first place, so that's yeah. part of it. So, but I think the rule books fall under one of them. Yeah, probably copyright, not trademark. It would make sense to be copyright. How the rules are written falls under one, but not the rules themselves. The rules themselves are public domain, which is why people can completely rip off games. Flavor text is completely yeah, flavor different. Text yeah, I don't know. Different story into a different issue, but we we should do more FAQs. They seem to work. But I mean, literally, it's one of those things where I could reach out to a publisher and say, "Look, 
we do this with can, can I read your rule book? Can I YouTube? do can I do this on YouTube? And we'll, we're going to, you know, the thing is, we are going to be discussing it. I don't think just me reading it is is valid yeah. content. But if we did a re read and discussion, then we gain the whole, you know, uh, analysis of it, which invalidates well, the right claim yeah, in the first at that point. point <laughs> I don't even think you have to ask. No. Because um, at that point, it's commentary, right? Yeah, yeah. I would think. So. All right. Anything else? I was kind of opening this up to Sean because Sean and I, like I write the notes and Sean looks at the notes, but we don't always discuss everything ahead of time. We didn't really discuss this. Yeah, no, um, really. It's I would love to get 75 people in the chat room at once, but I don't expect that'll ever happen. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, like popular shows like ours don't get like we, we have a fantastic group. I'm not trying to belittle the people who do join us, yeah. but Twitch wants us to get an average of 75 of you in the chat room, which I think it kind of suck. They'd be kind of awesome if we had 75 people listening. Like the, the validation of that'd be great, but we yeah. wouldn't be able to pay attention. Like we wouldn't be able to get that interaction to that one-on-one. -on -one. So I don't know. I, I want that because that's an important thing for Twitch, but yep. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I would do. I would the fact, do a we, the fact that we have 15 people in the room at any one time is amazing. Oh, that's I, awesome. You know, I'd love, you know, if we hit, 25 20 I would, would be blown away. 20, 25 I, if, if i ever saw 25 people in here on like more than one night i would be amazed it would be fantastic yeah 75 people on average in your chat is a twitch thing kind of like the thousand people on youtube the thousand people on youtube seems more plausible yep all right uh, i don't think we have anything else i yep. can't think of any other big ones just keeping it growing right keep it going um, we have some goals for the blog. We're really, really close. So if you have some spare time, anyone listening to this, head over to tabletopbellhop.com, read an article, read a review, click a link, maybe leave me a question. That would be awesome. Just stop by, take a look at the website. Even if you've been there before, see what we've changed, see what we've done. Uh, we are really pushing towards a certain number that will let us put, get to a certain level of advertising we can put on the page. And yes, I know I'm telling you to go to my page so I can add ads on it. You know what? It's a fact of life. Yep. You're going to find ads on web. We're one of the few pages out there that doesn't at least have Google ads on there. And we're hoping to have something that's a little bit more tied into our actual content, a bit more thematic and less obtrusive. We don't plan on having pop-ups or pop-unders or anything like that. We could go with all those tricks. We're trying to avoid that. Yep. But we need the numbers to be able to prove that we're good enough to have that. So, Yep. All righty. Uh, what kinds of resolutions have you folk in the lobby made as we check into you? We've had a lot of chat going on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Darth Revan, Wood, Wolf, we're about halfway through. We're about halfway through the show. We had a longer than usual Ask the Bellhop segment. Yep. That took a little longer to get through. I was more talkative than I had planned. <laughs> uh, way earlier, I saw people talking about the resolutions, but then we got on to other things. Yeah. Uh, I know, uh, well, Major Kayla is... is uh doing a uh a running a con game two con games looks like uh she's, that's awesome she's got one confirmed and she's got one person signed up to her second one already awesome for that awesome. and maybe may even bring something do something at breakout hey running running your first con game is big yep i did it years ago like years and years ago i ran paranoia and warhammer fantasy roleplay i don't know if i could do it now i i had less social anxiety back then than i do now i don't know was more comfortable with the people i thought would be at the con i don't know yeah poncho wants to learn how to solve a rubik's cube absolutely that's not you know what deanna got this thing though oh my god is it horrible in a way so she picked up this thing at a con she went to and it's an app a rubik's cube with an app where you scan in all the sides of the Rubik's Cube and it tells you how to solve it based on what it looked like when you scan it. The problem is the software for this thing 
wanted the most ridiculous permissions I have ever seen. It not only wanted to see my camera, it wanted to be able to take pictures, record audio, record video, send emails. Like it was like every pot. I'm like, what did this Chinese company like come up with this Rubik's Cube thing just to steal people's data? Right. Like it was terrible. I'm like, I am not authorizing this thing to do anything. (laughs) But there are apps out there that will show you how to solve a Rubik's Cube because I found that after that is like this one you scan each of the sides and it literally tells you in like six moves or less it's crazy how few moves it takes to solve a ruby's cube yeah i know efficient it really it's like ridiculous like i looked at this thing and i'm like i messed it up for a good half hour while the kids were opening (laughs) gifts and then i grabbed my phone i turned on the app i said no to all the damn things it wanted to see except camera and then i took pictures of all the sides and it was like seven moves to fix it i'm like jesus And supposedly, once you do that, it unlocks other stuff to teach you how to do it. So okay. that's a thing. Uh, yeah, Poncho's talking. It's in more gaming. You know, it just wants to get I, more That's, that's pretty much everyone's, I think. I, I think every gamer has that resolution. Play more games. Yep. I I, I want to play more games with more people. I don't know. Like, I, I, I could try to get another event in Windsor because there's a weekend a month. We don't do anything, but then I kind of don't want to. Yeah, and there, there's definitely something to be said about having a little bit of self-time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So I like the fact that we have easy mode now. I think that was a success, though. I was not trying to um, trying to do it, but I wanted a non game store venue. And I think it's great. We have a non game store venue now. Yep. Uh, Poncho mentioned at one point uh, when you're adding uh, adding bribes for Patreon donuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just give out. Donuts. I thought he was talking about instead of hoplites that we were going to call our fans our donuts. <laughs> that's why that's, I maybe I read it wrong because it was going through. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he was looking for bribes. Uh, oh, he was looking for bribes. bribes send donuts. Yeah, yeah, we'll send Tim Hortons. We'll, we'll, we'll can con some people. You can get Tim Hortons in the states now. That's what we can. We can offer coffee crisp at a certain backer level. Oh, we'll send go. coffee crisp to the U.S. Uh, Tim Hortons. Toys. Tim Hortons cereal. They now have Timbit cereal. Um, I saw that when we were at Costco. I was disturbed. Yeah, it scared me. Yeah, <laughs> Patreon Smarties, yes. Which yeah, are uh, like M&M's, not yeah, yeah. Rockets. Not not Rockets. Smarties, Smarties, our Smarties are M&M's ish. Yes. Yeah, Kinder don't Egg, mess with Kinder, Kinder Eggs. Nope, nope. Yeah. Not not going to try and import Kinder Eggs. You have to get the right ones. Yeah. See what we get here are German Kinder Eggs and they are awesome. There's a European deli that carries them and they are way better toys, but they are not safe. Like the Canadian ones they've now made. So you can actually ship them over the border. The plastic now goes through. So the the two chocolate halves aren't solid. I don't know, whatever. Ketchup chips. Yeah. I don't know. There's lots of, Can- there's surprisingly more Canadian stuff than I thought there was the last time I was looking. There was something we were talking about the other day and they're like, oh, that's Canadian. I'm like, what? It is. Yeah, there was a few things I saw the other day. I'm like, yeah, I was I like, really? Was Chocolate bars, there's a bunch. Like, yeah. there, there's besides like coffee crunch cr- crisp is the one everyone talks about, which are fantastic. I love coffee crisp, but there's more than that. Yeah, yeah. There's a few British. There's a few British British ones that that we get that we take for granted that Americans don't get, sort of thing. Yeah, Arrow. That's the other one. I didn't know Arrow was Canadian, and oh, we have all kinds of flavors of Arrow now. Oh yeah, well, like mint. Green Arrow is like weird. I'm sorry. I don't want. I don't want my chocolate bars looking like it's crushed up grasshoppers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, the Kinder eggs are like that in Canada too. It's not inside. It's two parts. Right. Yeah. Coffee crisp was the big one. Yeah, I love. Coffee. Alrighty. So I don't know if we had a new viewer who I don't know if they stuck around. Uh, Darth. Yeah, we're halfway through the show. We're gonna lose half our viewers because we always do. Yeah, I think Darth popped out. Darth popped out. All right. Fair enough. Have to try poutine. Poutine can be good. Yeah, actually, it's hard to find bad poutine, but good poutine's hard to find, and you're not going to find it in downtown Toronto. 
Well, I don't know. There, there. I'm sure there are some butineries there. Um, I don't know. Not when at Breco, they had a real hard time trying to find actually good poutine in the in the area. Oh, okay. Because um, I know, like the fat, some of the fast food poutine is is edible. Some of it is just horrible. One of the weird ones, I was, I had expected that New York fries would have decent poutine because yeah, I mean, they're a fry thing. It's horrible. I actually prefer Harvey's poutine. If I'm going to, if I'm going to do fast food poutine, uh, Harvey's tends to be uh, my go-to. Yeah. Uh, we have, we, there's a place in Windsor called Simon's Prime Burger and they make the best poutine okay. in the we area. Have a, we have a poutinery in, like it's actually called the poutinery in, in Hamilton. Um, and we did, I ordered like four different ones from, for dinner one oh, night and uh, it was, they were good. See, there's one downtown too, but like I hear I'm a bad Canadian. I don't really like poutine. So mm. I don't like fries. I am not, I've never, See, liked I don't fries. normally like gravy. I love fries and it's not yeah. like gravy, but you know, when you they go to the fries, room, it's, not, it's not usually great. Like they've got like the gyros one and the Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, the one I like is a, is a double bacon cheeseburger. It's got ground beef and two types of cheese and bacon and. It's it's not normal poutine, but they're normal poutine. I do like. I just again, I, I could get that, or I could get a burger, and I'd rather have a burger with mozzarella and bacon on it because right. I'd rather eat that than fries with a bunch of stuff on it because <laughs> I'm not a huge fry fan. Yep. Yeah, I don't like ho- hockey much. I don't like poutine. I do like I do like coffee crisp. So yeah, I love coffee crisp. Don't do hockey. Love poutine. Um, I don't hate hockey. It's 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 I I like it as much as any other sport that I. Well, that's watch. that's pretty low on the list for me. Yeah. I, you know, um, there are many sports I would I would rather watch curling than uh, hockey. I don't know if that makes me more Canadian or less Canadian. Uh, <laughs> I think that's actually more Canadian. It's more actual Canadian versus worldview of Canadian. Right. Halifax style Donaire. Is that just because there's a Donaire on like every corner in Halifax? Last time I was there, I don't know. It was, the like pizza Donaire. The pizza and Donaire thing in Windsor that was happening in Halifax too. It was really oh, yeah. weird. There's we don't get the Donaire. Donaire. now everything here is um, Mediterranean. Oh, uh, okay. But but we're at the point now. It's one in four people in Windsor now is um, an immigrant. One mm-hmm. in, one in three. I think we're down to one up to one in three now because we've taken in so many Syrian well, yeah. refugees. I mean, Crokinole, you can't go a lot. You can't go without. Uh, yeah, I've never <laughs> actually played Crokinole. Really. Like, despite the fact we had that, like, all-in-one game table thing yeah. when I was a kid, and we kind of flicked around with it, but I've never actually, like, yeah. like which I probably love, because I love, like, pitch car, and I yeah. love dexterity games. But, like, a crokinole table costs so much money. Yes. Like, a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, a decent one. Yeah. I don't need a good one. I just need a decent one. All right. We, we've been going on. <laughs> all right. Moving on. We keep growing with the support of fans like you, so please take a minute to subscribe, follow, like, rate, review, click on the bell, thumbs up, or share with your friends. We're looking to grow the brand even more with several things in the work that you just heard about, so now's the time to get in. All right, sign up to receive Tabletop Bellhop Weekly in your inbox, which I probably should have sent out today and totally forgot because it's been two weeks. Uh, Once a week, except over the holidays, I'll be sending out an email recapping all the content we released in the week previous. Next one coming out is probably going to have about two weeks worth of like unboxing videos and a couple reviews. Uh, It's going to have our blog posts, our new podcast episodes, basically any reviews or anything else we create. It's the one-stop shop so you don't miss anything we put out. You can sign up at newsletter.tabletopbellhop.com or go to the tabletopbellhop.com site and you'll find a spot to subscribe in the sidebar. 
All right, one of the things we do plan on keeping up from the end of last year is our monthly AMA. Uh, personally, I love being able to interact with people and answer their questions live. That's been going really well. We get some good questions. We get some great interactions and some interesting topics. It's always fun trying to answer them right off the top of my head instead of doing research. So that's that's a lot of fun. Plus, I got to admit, it's nice to have a week off from having to work on a blog post and having to, to write something up and do that research. Our AMA episodes hit once a month on the last Wednesday of the month with our first of 2020 hitting on January 29th. All right. I just got confirmation yesterday that Greater Than Games is willing to work with us to host a giveaway. So it's going to be our first giveaway of 2020, and that is going to be for their hot new game, Medium. Medium is a mind-reading party game that was a huge hit at Gen Con. Yeah, a lot of people are calling this the next mind, even though it's from a different company, different designer. It's the next big hot card game. Now, I am hoping to do a review up first, so it's going to take a little bit because I want the review to go along with the giveaway. We'll probably launch them at the same time, and I'll start working on that as soon as the copy of the game shows up. For all I know, that's what's in the box behind me, though that'd be really quick shipping since yesterday, but you don't know. The other thing I'm going to do, though, for those of you here in Windsor, here local, I got them to send me an extra copy, so I'm going to do a demo night at the CG Realm and I am going to give away a copy of the game to someone who plays it. You got to play the game. You can't just show up and hang out. You got to show up. You got to play medium at least once. And then when the review goes live on the blog, we'll be giving away two copies. We're hoping to give those away worldwide. So I'm going to give away a total of three copies of medium, one to local gamers here in Windsor and two to fans of the podcast, live show and YouTube videos. Listen here and follow us on social media for a heads up when that goes live. Up next, a review of the board game Chocolatiers. Uh, Chocolatiers was designed by Isaiah Vallejo and features art by Claire Donaldson. Published in 2019 by Daily Magic Games, was originally a Kickstarter, speaking of Kickstarter, uh, was a project in February of 2019, which did fund, though I didn't note down exactly how well it funded, but it funded and was produced. I do not have a Kickstarter copy. I have a physical copy, which was picked up at Origins and provided by Daily Magic Games. No other compensation besides the review copy was provided. Up first, what's in the box? All right, when you first open this rather small box, surprisingly small, this is not a big box game, especially for Daily Magic. Most of their games are in large boxes. This is a little nice portable box. You got seven punch boards. On those are mostly square chocolate boxes. Like think of your Laura Secord, your, I, I don't know, I think that's a Canadian company. I don't know a U.S. equivalent. Purdy's chocolates, whatever. Your sampler, right? Your life is like a box of chocolates. Your Forrest Gump thing. Uh, you got a little box of four chocolates. Um, there's also some end game scoring tiles and some bonus chocolates, which look like Ferrero Rochers. Uh, these things right here. Looks like these. Uh, on there and uh, the punch boards are solid. They they punch easy enough. They're good thickness, pretty standard. Uh, what I did like that stuck out right away is they did that glossy thing like they did on the cover of Cthulhu Death May Die. Like this seems to be a thing. Mechs versus Minions did it for the oil slicks. Like I don't, I don't know what you call it, but they put like a glossy coating on some of the art. I thought that was really well done. So the chocolates kind of shine. Under the punch boards are the rules. They're short, concise, very clear. Absolutely no complaints about them. Uh, they're simple enough. You could probably open up the game, read them out loud, and start playing in about 10 minutes. Added to that, there's even a um, one sheet, uh, one page, two-sided 
rule summary sheet, which is just like the rules aren't there maybe five pages and the summary sheets too. Uh, this thing's perfect. Like once you played the game once, you can just use that to reference. And then there's a pack of Hobbit size cards, you know, the type, the fancy flight, little tiny cards. Not a huge fan of small cards, but eh, they are what they are. There are 51 cards in total, each representing a different chocolate. There are six different chocolates. Some are more common than others. For those listening, what Mo calls Hobbit-sized cards are usually sized so that two side-by-side are the same as one regular-sized playing card. That's uh, just the uh, the dimensions of them. So now we know what you get. How do you play Chocolatiers? All right. To set up, you make a market of chocolate boxes. You make a market of chocolate cards, just like your Ticket to Ride or any other card market. Each player gets a small starting hand of cards and three bonus chocolate tokens. Scoring tiles are then put in the center of the table. You use all of them every game, so they're not randomized. Each turn, players take two actions. They can be two the same or two different. One is draft chocolate cards. Take one chocolate card or discard a chocolate card from your hand to take two from the market. As soon as you take them, they're replaced. Reserve a chocolate box. Take one of the chocolate boxes, put your bonus chocolate on top of it, and it's now yours. Only one person can have it. You mark it by having a thing on it, and you can only have one reserved at a time. Once you've got one reserved, you can play it. To do that, you have to discard chocolate cards matching the chocolates that are in the box. Uh, At this time, you can also discard two identical chocolates to count as any other card. When it's played, the chocolate box is then added to what's called your sampler. So you're going to add it to the other boxes you have. You are making a two by three grid of these chocolate boxes, and it can go horizontal, whatever. You're limited to that size. The other thing you can do is spend one of your bonus chocolates. You get three of these at the beginning of the game. If you save them, they're worth a point each. These go into a spot on one of your already placed chocolate boxes. This can cover another chocolate or go in a blank space. Either way. You keep doing this, going around the table, until someone completes their full sampler, the 2 by 3 grid. At that point, you finish the round. Everyone doesn't get another turn. It ends immediately that round. You finish the round. The game ends. Uh, The first player to complete their box gets a special scoring tile worth 2. Then players get points for each chocolate box they have. So each of those... Uh, two by two grids of chocolates over a certain number of points that are shown on the tiles. Um, Then you then score the bonus tiles. There are one of those for each of the different chocolate types. And it's the player that gets the points is the player who has the most of that chocolate in their box touching each other, like orthogonally adjacent. So whoever has the most whatever mint chocolates together is going to get the mint bonus tile. And whoever has the most peanut butters to get the peanut bonus tile. There's also one bonus tile given to the player who bought the crappiest boxes, which sounds weird, but like the boxes are worth different points. Whoever bought the most that are worth only three or four gets some bonus points for taking bad boxes. Player with most points wins. That's it. It's pretty dead simple. Like, I basically just taught you to play. If the components were in front of you, that was probably enough description to be able to play the game. Okay. So what's the theme of the game? Yeah, again, I don't explain the theme. So you are a chocolatier trying to make the perfect sampler. And what the people want is groups of the most chocolates, right? So those are your bonus scoring tiles. Uh, They're also impressed by boxes that use the low points, which I don't know how the points correlate. So yes, you are a chocolatier trying to assemble the perfect sampler box of chocolates. See, Sean, Sean pointed out my mistake. I am <laughs> terrible at mentioning the Come on, the game is called Chocolatiers. Can't you figure out what the theme is? See, that's the way I think. I'm like, you got it, right? It's chocolates. Fair enough. All, <laughs> All right. right. So you got to admit, it, it sounds pretty simple, and it is. It really is. It is dead simple to learn, dead simple to teach. That two-page rule summary is probably enough to learn the game from, even if you don't have the full rules. 
But it's one of those games that once you start playing, then you notice the depth. It's one of those games I, that I call Eureka or Aha Moments. So you're sitting there and you're playing the game like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting chocolates. And you're like, ooh, wait a minute. That chocolate box is worth nine points. But the reason it's worth nine points is because the damn chocolates in it are diagonally adjacent. So they're not going to count for majority. So do I want the nine box or do I go with a nice cheap four box that has chocolates that are near each other? Right. And there's your aha moment about drafting your box and how important the placement work. Even when placing I'm like, oh, wait, I got to stick by a two by three grid. Like that takes a minute to you're like, yeah, I knew that at the beginning, but the way that works. And then. The other thing, too, is you'll notice just how important those bonus chocolates are. Because when you first start, you're like, oh, I'll just use that to fill the blanks. But then you realize, no, I could get a lot more points if I cover up this mint chocolate to make all these peanut butters be next to each other. And then you get the next aha moment when you start stop looking at your own board and start looking at other players. And that's where the game really shines, is that this game is all about trying to deny your opponents probably even more so than trying to do right by yourself and keeping track of who has the most of everything. And if he gets this tile, how many peanut butters will he have versus mine? And knowing to go, oh, you know what? There's no point in me competing over mint because Sean and D are already fighting over mint. So I'll let them have mint. And I notice neither of them are collecting whatever. So I'm going to collect that, right? It's one of those games that just, it has different levels of play, right? Like almost emergent gameplay where you sit down, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm drafting cards and building chocolates. And you're like, oh, 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 wait, now I see. So interesting. this is uh, what they consider, uh, what most people consider a pretty light filler. Uh, it's 20-minute play. It rates a 1-4 on, uh, on uh, the weight for, uh, for Board Game Geek. Oh, that's lower than I would have thought, um, actually. Well, to be fair, um, how many times have you played the game? Jockers? I am at six plays. You're at six plays? Because a, a lot of what I'm seeing is that most people are like, this is a really great kind of gateway game for a non-gamer. Uh, but yeah, it basically all those aha moments come and are gone and you're left <laughs> with a lot of randomness and, you know, not too much else a lot for the for the gamer gamer. Um, whereas the newer gamers tend to like, and that, that's what I'm seeing. And uh, it's, it's been knocked down. It's a six, seven right now on BGG. Okay. Yeah, that's um, the word I would have thought. Because, because of the, the, the sort of randomness. And again, the, the, the real gamers are finding that after enough, after a few plays, there just isn't enough to keep them in. I didn't find that at all. And like Deanna points out, I probably facilitated more than six plays. Like we even had this in the board game blitz tournament and I thought it fit in well. Like I would, I wouldn't even call this one light. I consider this one a thinky filler. <laughs> Just once you get to that level of trying to deny the opponents, I almost wonder if people didn't give it enough of a try Possibly. and didn't get to that level, right? They, they played it when, yeah, yeah, it's drafting cards. It's fun. I played it before and moved on and gave it a five. Right. Right. That's, I almost wonder if it's the other way around. Like, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's thinky thinky, but I don't know. Like to me, it seems like an extremely tight set collection game. And like I said, it's all about watching what the other players are doing and adapting your strategy to the changing game state, noticing that suddenly someone has more of something than you. And even like, yeah, there's randomness with the cards going off, but the fact that you can discard two of any one to be anything and then there's that ability to discard a card to draw to so almost any turn you can get a wild card if you need it right i don't know i just didn't find it that way hmm, interesting like i wouldn't call it a brain burn it, it's not but like it's 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 just on the edge of thinky filler right i i personally found it pretty brilliant especially compared to just how simple the rules are everyone i've taught it to has seemed pretty happy with it like every time i put a game in the blitz i always ask like was that a good tournament game right and the fact that people thought it was a good tournament game now it's in the same bracket as i have games like emotep 
Right. And um, Gizmos, I think, was in the same bracket. So it's not your big heavy thinking games. But like I put it above, say, a Red 7. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe I'll have to add this to the pile of things to try and fit in when I'm down. Hi, there you and, go. And get, and get my own experience. Because I'll get right at this moment, all I've got are a lot of board game geek yeah, opinions, yeah, which, you know, I, we all know to uh, take with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm the only one out here who likes this game. <laughs> it is possible. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot way. of sevens, but, it, you know, it is trending below seven. So, yeah. No, I'm surprised. I'm surprised it, it's right. I didn't look in this case. Most of the reviews, I try not to. I try not to bias myself by looking at it. I know you always look them up while I'm reviewing them, but yeah, I I, I wait till we get your opinion, and then I sort of yeah. I try to. And again, I I can't look through all however many thousand you know. Well, no, obviously got, uh, Actually, no. This one's only got 110 ratings, so it could it well, could that's, trend that's up. actually pretty low. That is low that is actually rating. lower than I expected. So that could trend up over a seven again uh eventually I, the problem is I, I think it's it's gonna get lost in the mix right it, it, like, it's a neat thank you filler but it's it's no next terraforming mars right like it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's no next gokuku it's no next azul right it's it's just it, i don't think it had the splash and i gotta admit it's also very different from anything else daily magic puts out mm. like daily magic i think card tableaus right. right like that's just what they do they do card tableaus and engine building games this is neither well, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we can draw your, your opinion can uh, help shift <laughs> it up true. a little bit. There we go. Well, for yeah, like, like Deanna says, and next year, no one, probably no one will remember this, yeah. one, which is possible. I, I plan on keeping my copy just for the board game blitz, if nothing else. Yeah. There aren't a lot of under like 45 minute, half hour, under half hour games that aren't totally random, right? That right. are, have that thinking involved. And yes, there are random factors, but that, that are thinky fillers, right? All right, well, for a slightly more in-depth look at Chocolatiers, check out Mo's written review over at TabletopBellhop.com. Just click on Reviews. And now, Bellhop's Tabletop, where we look back and summarize what's happened since we were last here. What games hit our tables? Every week, we like to take a look back at the games we played and the events we attended and other cool gaming stuff that's going on. Now, due to the holidays, it's actually been a bit since we've recorded a podcast, so this week's going to cover a few weeks of gameplays. Um, this is not a lot of games, like for the amount of time that was off, but as I mentioned earlier in the show, I did have strep throat. There was some downtime there that I wasn't expecting. But I've got a, what I think is an interesting mix of games, especially for anyone who's a fan of the show or listens all the time, because we had some pretty casual game nights and game nights with family over the holidays. So these are games you've probably heard my opinions on before that you probably wouldn't expect I'm going to be talking about all that often. All right. And I've even got a new game that came out in 2019 played. Nice. Nice. Awesome. All right, so the first set of games I want to talk about comes from the December Easy Mode Game Night. For those of you in Windsor, we are going to be back at Easy Mode, not this Saturday, but the Saturday after. For those of you listening this next Saturday, just to reviews, remove the confusion, that's the 18th. January 18th, we're going to be back at Easy Mode. Uh, again, this is eSports Lounge that's letting us use the space to do some tabletop gaming. So you can do all kinds of gaming. Uh, for this event, I went for lighter stuff this time. I specifically packed up my bag of lighter games because that's what we seem to be getting we're getting a lot of new people people in off the street um it's the the events come up on reddit and windsor's reddit a couple times so we've been getting new people coming in from reddit and these are people whose gaming experience is monopoly and sorry so i went with that but i also packed carpe diem 
Now, I want to start with Carpe Diem because that's the one I'm most interested in. This was my first time playing with a full four players, and I got to say it was fantastic. Uh, I was just as good, if not better, than playing with three. Um, I am digging this felt. Like, this This one's good. You're going to have a very positive review coming out almost any time. At this point, like, one or two more plays, I could probably write up my thoughts. I could probably write up my thoughts now. I don't think they'll change. One of the things I'm finding with that that's interesting is knowing what I what I want from that game that isn't in there is I want a list of the frequency of all the different tiles because it's not in there. So some of the stuff I discovered in this play was like, there are only seven green buildings. And while you complete them by pairing them, which means the most you can build is three and someone's going to be left over with one. And knowing that is really changing how I play because I started the last game going, oh, I want to build green buildings. And I'm like, man, I can't seem to get green buildings. At the end of the game, I actually went, stop. How many green buildings are there? And I'm like, oh, okay, now I know I won't go for a green building strategy next time because I'm only going to be able to build max three. And if both of you have already built one, I probably don't have much chance. So I really want that. Like, I don't, I'm surprised it's not out there. On Board Game Geek, someone's probably done it. Maybe that'll be a new printable we'll give away with our newsletter next month is I'll make my own that just has a list of all the tiles and the, and their, their, the numbers. And like, maybe that's supposed to be part of the game that you're not supposed to know. But personally, it's a Euro. It's a Feld. It, it shouldn't be hidden infor- information. The fact you use every tile every game, I should know what those tiles are. Right. So, big shock, you love a Feld. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not surprising. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. All right, the other gamer game I broke out this event was we played some Imhotep. That's nothing new, but I did break out a new Dynasty again. So this is the expansion for it that's a little more recent, came out 2018, I think. Um, We tried the C and D sides. Those are the new boards for three different boards. Uh, To be honest, this was three weeks ago now, so I don't remember exactly which ones they were, but the one I loved was the market. I know we used the new market. I couldn't tell you if it was C or D, but it had two spots that held three face-down market cards, and then the other two spots are face up and I gotta love I love that so the player who gets to pick those picks up all three cards and picks one of them that was really neat that really changed the way the market worked um another board I know we used was the obelisk which was neat because it had a tetris system so when you visited the obelisk you picked up a polyomino and then you had your own little personal obelisk card and you used tetris pieces to try to build your obelisk as tall as possible trying to get complete rows of three and then you got two points for every row of three you did which is just very different from the base game I dig it. I'm liking Dynasty, but I got to say, all of these new boards are more fiddly than the original. I I wouldn't call them more complicated, just fiddly. Like, for example, this Tetris one, I now, when I set up the game, I need to find all the Tetris pieces. I have to lay them out of the thing. I have to give everyone else an extra card that they have to keep track of. And then when you get to the spot, you have to take the piece and move it around and manipulate it. Like, it's just fiddly, right? Like, there's just little more things you have to do. And, like, one of the tracks is uh, a chariot race. And you get a little chariot piece, and you got to keep track of who's in first, second, third, and fourth, right? Like, they're all just kind of like that. Uh, more choices, more options, but also more components, which makes setup and takedown longer and also makes explanation longer. They take longer to explain. So I got to say, I dig them. Like I like the new boards, but they are definitely like almost makes it a next step game. It's no longer the quick to set up, quick to play, quick to explain intro game that Imhotep is without it. Once you throw these in, like you're now looking at some substantial setup and explanation. Uh, interestingly, I just discovered that Yukata has Carpe Diem online. Oh, here we go. My, <laughs> someone asked us to review Yukata a long time. I know, Yukata and, and there's a, the BAJ. Beaujolais or Beaujolais? Yeah, whatever. It, what, uh, 
Yeah, it was close. Um, uh, so yeah, Yukata apparently has that. So yeah, there was something else I was looking at Yukata, and it was done really well, and I can't remember what now. Is that where we played Takedo? Uh, I haven't played. I've never played a game on. Uh... No, no, Takedo was on BGA. Was it on BGA? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there isn't there isn't anything uh, in the files section under Carpe Diem. I'm surprised. Like I said, maybe I'll make it. Maybe it, that's something yeah. else we. There may be something in the forums, but I, I don't have time to score through uh, forums. Maybe people are thinking that breaks the game, but it, like to me, it seems like something that could be included. Like it's a euro. Open information should just make it better. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, now on to the lighter fare. Um, this is a party game. I don't talk about a lot of party games on the show because I don't like a lot of party games, but this is one of the few I actually like, and that is Nitwit. Uh, the best way to explain this, every programmer project manager is going to get this game because it is the Venn diagram word game. Because what you do is you put out spools with numbers on them, and then you surround them with strings. And each string represents one word. And what you do is you look at the spool and see how many strings touch that word. So picture a Venn diagram. And then you have to come up with a word, sentence, or thing that applies to all the words that apply to that spool. It, it, it's really... Oh, it's sort of like a beginner set for those yarn diagrams that use detective shows to find the killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely yarn going on. I, I said string. Yeah, I guess it's yarn. And there, there's spools. Like, thematically, it looks neat. There's buttons for if you're the first one done and the word bonus points. Um... It's good. It's 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 a neat game. I I love the concept of it. It's by Matt Leacock, who like is a, a rather well known designer, and you wouldn't expect this game from him. But I gotta say, it was both better and worse than I expected. Now it's been a long time since I broke up my copy of this, and it's one I keep seeing on my shelf, and I'm like, I gotta bring it out. Now it works. Like the mechanics work. But it does get a bit confusing sometimes with all the strings, especially because you use all of them. No matter how many players you're playing, you're putting out 10 strings and trying to figure out which strings loop which thing. Now, part of that is probably easy mode has smaller tables. So it'd be nice to kind of spread out your, your, your yarn a bit more. But what came up that I didn't expect was how quickly things got very adult. Um... I, we've complained about Cards Against Humanity because you shouldn't need a game to make the jokes. You should come up with them on your own. Well, this is a game where you're going to come up with them on your own. It was hard not to. Uh, this is one of those things we've talked about a few times about whether safety tools, things like the X card, are important and should be around when you're playing board games. Well, here's a game that, yes, it should have. We should have had some kind of safety tool. To the fact that partway through the game, when a couple things came up, like moist, young, and purple, I think were some of the words we had to use, we had to stop and say, wait, where are we going to go with this? Like we, we had a discussion. There were four of us playing and said, is everyone good with this going places? <laughs> and at the time, everyone agreed. So that was cool. And we had a good time and some off color jokes were made and people laughed and it was great. But I was playing with a complete stranger that night because I was at easy mode, right? Like I was also playing with Sean Hamilton, not Sean from Hamilton, as well as Justin, but some other dude. And I apologize for not remembering your name who i'd never met before so i'm like and to be honest i'd never played an adult game with sean hamilton or justin before so i didn't even know if they were going to be cool with going there so that was interesting so that's one i didn't expect from the wit like i don't remember that like i remember playing it at brimstone games before and even bringing it out to an extra life event and i'm like huh this didn't happen last time. Now, maybe we just didn't get moist and young didn't come up and it was all like red, round and fast or something. And we were like, didn't come up with things. But I'm like, yeah, wow. OK, so Nitwit, you, you probably want to throw an X card in there or at least have a session zero before starting your game. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I know quite a few knitters. Uh, I would not yeah. rank any of them as sweet and innocent. So, yeah. really, you know, so, it works. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that was interesting. I, I, I totally didn't expect that. So then another lighter game at the end of the night, we played a game of Ice Cool. Um, I dig talking about this one because we don't bring it up that often. This is a fun dexterity game where you're in a school and the school is actually made up of the boxes from the game. So very well done. You're playing penguins and it comes with little plastic penguins that have weights in the bottom of them. So they move interestingly and it's a flicking game. Uh, every turn, every round, three of the players are school kids trying to skip class and collect fish, and the other players playing a hall monitor trying to catch them. You each take a turn as the hall monitor. Whoever gets the most fish wins. Really simple game. Um, man, it went over well. Like it, it, it was one. Even Sean Hamilton's like, man, you haven't brought this out in a while. It was a lot of fun. But man, Derek again, not not sorry, Justin. Justin played this again. Same same group played this game. Don't play dexterity games with Justin unless you're playing a team game. It can be on your side. My God, could he flick a penguin? Like he was pulling off two room slides and dude's a shark. Like wow, <laughs> I I, I got to remember. I'm like, if we ever play pitch car, I'm betting on Justin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's high school is fun. Uh, I boy, I enjoy playing. I've never really had the touch and i think i just need to get some more plays in to, to get a better feel for them because i know that the, the one time i've played it i'm like i not i'm just kind of yeah they're just going wherever they go <laughs> yeah yeah i i was terrible i i remember being better at it i need to practice <laughs> All right. The only other game that I had over the holidays was Christmas Eve. Uh, we went over to Deanna's mom's house for dinner with the kids. Uh, we had some great food. We watched Star Wars The Force Awakens because we were hoping to bring the kids to see the new movie. So we've been rewatching the new trilogy and got in a couple of games. Up first was Splendor. Uh, this one was requested by Big G. Uh, Deanna taught her to play about a month ago. I think I mentioned that on the show when it happened. And she is obsessed with this game. She even brought it to school for one of the nights. Well, we played a four-player game, and it went well. Now, everyone listening should know that uh, I've complained about Splendor a lot. It's not my favorite game. But you know what? It has been a really long time. Like, literally a really long time, because I looked it up, and it was not in my plays for 2019. So, like, it had been more than a year since I played Splendor. And it seems like it's been long enough that I'm no longer totally sick of the game. Because that was my main complaint with Splendor is it was the hotness for a while. And every game at night you'd go to, especially when we were going to Brimstone, there was like three, four copies of Splendor every night. And people were playing. I just, I got sick of it. I played it too much. So I got to admit, um, it had been a year and it was fun again. Like it, it refreshed that. So I actually had quite a bit of fun playing Splendor. Uh, Big G needs to learn to not just buy the cheap cards. And I actually ended up winning. So it's not often I beat Deanna and her mom. Her mom's almost as much a shark as Deanna can be at games. So I actually won a game about Splendor. Uh, it's truly shocking to hear Mo say good things about Splendor. <laughs> so record this moment in time. There you go. <laughs> I admit I probably would have had more fun playing Gizmo still, but. It was fun. I, I had no complaints. A bunch of people are now pushing me by the expansion. I'm slightly tempted because that was fun. And with how much Big G's dig in Splendor, I guess the expansion adds a bunch of modules and they're supposed to be pretty good. Uh, the other one, too. Here's another one you don't expect to hear from me is we played Ticket to Ride. Uh, this is one of my mother-in-law's favorite games. And at this point, I'd say it's probably a Christmas tradition. Uh, I bring over my 10th anniversary edition. And we play the game. That's happened for at least three, maybe four years in a row now. And it's it's always been quite fun. Uh, the big difference this year is Big G is old enough now and played with us. And I got to say, she really liked it. She picked it up quickly. Uh, she got the mechanics right away. Um, 
I think she had a little bit of difficulty with the routes and knowing which ones to keep and not. But you know what? She beat me, so I can't say anything. Uh, well, I'm not a huge Ticket to Ride fan. I, I I don't love it. It is a solid game. Like, there's nothing wrong with Ticket to Ride. There's just stuff I'd rather play. Um, if you're going to play it, though, you got to get that 10th anniversary. Like, good luck getting it, but I am glad I own that copy. Even if I only bring it out once a year, that thing is so pretty on the table. Yeah, you know, I am I get Ticket to Ride. I'm not a fan. Again, it's a good game. There's nothing wrong with it as a game. I'm just, yeah, I, I'm I'm, I'm a, definitely of the opinion that there's there's other games I'd rather, yeah. rather have at the table. Uh, for me, the kids got Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts under the t- uh, the tree. Okay. So, man, is that game bad to talk about on Twitter without, uh, you know, shrinking that name down with acronyms. <laughs> because Harry yeah. Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts uses up most of your 140 characters right there. <laughs> um, so we've had three plays of it so far with just Evan and I. Again, this is a two-player competitive version of um harry potter's hogwarts battle basically um they've they've done some interesting theme things uh theme wise within the harry potter world uh like for some reason uh you you pick a house to start with so you're you're not playing a person the way you were in harry potter hogwarts okay. battle. you're 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 representing a house um and by representing that house you get extra powers from cards that have that house basically but you can also work with other houses so you can actually use end up having all four houses helping you out basically um kind of like dc where you can collect multiple heroes yeah and it's weird because i mean you can get the entire you can be you can start off as a slytherin and have a gryffindor and a hufflepuff and a ravenclaw all helping you which seems really (laughs) outside of the, the the general theme of the world um but it's an interesting game mechanic um and and they've they've done some things to to balance uh you know cards that stay out versus um and things like that so it's it's interesting uh and uh d asks how, how without all four houses how does one defeat a dark lord well you're not defeating a dark lord though you're just dueling another house member house so it's just two supposed to be two kids dueling with help from other people but why a slytherin is being helped by a gryffindor i don't know but uh, so the one thing I've noticed, the first game we played was a huge snowball. Um, uh, my, my son just ran away with it, like just hands down. I didn't even get a point. Uh, the second game, we actually had a good back and forth. It was a lot longer than I expected the game would go. Um, and it was really fun and enjoyable for both of us. Good. Uh, then the third game, he got one point, but I snowballed and, 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 and you know, stomped him. Uh, so there's a lot of talk on the on on BGG I saw about some snowball issues in the game. Uh, it may require some house ruling, but I've only got three plays so far, and it has been kind of a balance of yes and no. So I, I've still got some good hopes for it. We'll uh, we'll see how it plays out with a few more plays, uh, and it may just require a little house ruling. There's some there's some interesting stuff you'd have to you know I don't, I'm not going to go into a full review here, but uh, there's some there's some stuff they've done that should balance each other out and i understand why they've done it but it may not have quite worked yet so so as a two-player experience what's better this or the co-op um right now the co-op just because the co-op is a more solid game at this at this point when you know uh i I would definitely go with harry potter hogwarts battle like if you're if you can only buy one the yeah the the first one is the way to go all right absolutely fair all right well a look ahead what have you got planned for the coming week 
All right. Well, this coming weekend, I am having a board gaming birthday party, so I expect I'll have lots of games to talk about next week. Uh, it's also the regular game night at the CG Realm, so I plan on hitting that as part of the festivities. Also inviting all my friends out to the CG Realm as well, so I hope to see some of you there. Expecting lots of games just like last year. We're going to start at the CG and then move back here to finish off the night at the house. Um, the week after that, I heard a rumor that Sean may be coming down to Windsor. Is that official? It does look like the 18th is going to be a thing, so uh, I haven't nice. confirmed whether or not I'll be down and you know uh, hanging out behind the camera at uh, the KTOR event. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I will definitely be there and uh, around for the day and, and easy mode. All right. So, yeah, we are going to be. So Sean will be down on Saturday, the 18th. We are going to be at easy mode. So if you're in Windsor, you want to meet Sean, you can always meet me there. Uh, we're going to be at easy mode Saturday, January the 18th from 5 to 10 p.m. If you're in Windsor, you should stop by. Uh in addition to that, we'll need to know if you're coming down Friday. We could also do something other than Gloomhaven on Friday, too, maybe. Because I know you and Tori have some DC stuff you guys wanted to play, too. That's true, but we need stream content. we got to get the Gloomhaven. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we could always stream some uh, some DC. DC. Yeah. DC. Uh, yeah, I know. We're, we, we, we had extra videos, and then yep. the holidays happened. Thickness, used them all up. Thickness happened, and, and away went the extra. Yes. Serious strep throat sucks. If you have a sore throat and you're in Windsor right now, go to the doctor. Hmm. Don't just assume it's a cold or the flu. That's all I can say about that one. So yeah, uh, this coming weekend, CG Realm uh, birthday party. The next weekend, we're going to be at easy mode and Sean will be in town. So we'll see. Well, hopefully we can get some of those games and maybe we'll play Chocolatiers. Though again, see, there, there's here's the best comment on Chocolatiers. There's so many better games I think I could probably show you. <laughs> like it's good, but like there's probably... I mean, it is a good stuff. game for easy mode, so... Yeah, that's true. It's it, it, I haven't brought it out to easy mode. So yeah, that's a good call. I'll bring it out to easy mode and maybe we'll play it. Now, a quick shout out and a thank you to some of our VIP guests, our Patreon backers. We greatly appreciate their support. Blood Boiler. Thank you. Uh, Evil John. Thanks, John. Why is our Patreon seeming to be going like to the dark side? <laughs> Wayne Humphrey. Thank you. Roger Malosh. Thanks, Roger. David Miller Jr. Thanks. Well, that was the double bell. That means my shift's coming to an end, and we're going to have to lock those front doors. So the doors to the lobby are closed. You can always find us across the web and social media as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. Drop by our website at tabletopbellhop.com for more gaming content. If you like the content we're providing and would like to support our continued efforts, please consider tipping the bellhop at patreon.com slash tabletopbellhop, a Patreon that will be updated by the end of January 2020. Remember to join us here at, on Twitch every Wednesday night. 9 p.m. Eastern and watch for the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast to hit your podcatchers and YouTube at 2 a.m. every Tuesday. You can also catch the Bellhop's Tabletop Twitch Friday nights at 8.30. Well, that about wraps up the time we have for the show tonight. For those of you here live, thank you for joining us and be sure to stick around and join us in the penthouse suite for the after show. For Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I'm Sean. And I'm Mo. Thank you. And game, game on. on. Graphic design by Brian Weiss at RPG & Co. Music is Nimbus by Eveningland. The podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license.